have I got a story for you. One of Canada's most promising competitive speed walkers goes bust at her national title chance, all because she wouldn't go all in on rule breaking. Now, what part of that was a lie, or what our guest would call a bluff? If you can't tell, you better hope she never sits at a poker table with you. But first, a word from today's sponsor, AndrePsyche.com. Yes, AndrePsyche.com is that cute, quaint corner store boutique tucked away on the northwest corner of the internet that has all sorts of neat and original merchandise that you had no idea existed. If you're anything like me, you go on the internet every single day, hoping to come across something new, something unseen. It's almost like an adventure. Well, let me get you a ticket to paradise. Does that go with the adventure thing? I don't think so. I'm kind of free styling it at this point, and uh, I feel like it's awry. Let's get back on script. What will you find at AndrePsyche.com? We are talking about literature, clothing, paintings, prints, accessories, music, poetry, or any custom gift that your soul desires. Andre, after all, is a freelance creator extraordinaire. So go to AndrePsyche.com and just let your spirit guide you to your purchase. Because each and every item will have a story behind it that is going to speak to some part of you. Nothing is made. Everything is created on AndrePsyche.com. We are also brought to you by the Getting to Know You Pod. Please, can you do us a favor? Take a moment right now and push the subscribe button, especially if you're on Apple or Spotify. Um, And while you're at it, especially, especially, especially if you're on Apple um, and you like the pod and these clunky intros, can you give us a rating, maybe a review? We'd appreciate it. And if you haven't already, you can friend and follow the Getting to Know You pod on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. This way you can check out pictures, uh, visit the profiles of the people that you're listening to. All you have to do is search us up. It's getting the number two, no, the letter U, pod. And finally, we are looking for sponsors and advertisers. So if you or someone you know has a business or brand and would like to expand your market in a global way, please consider partnering with us. We get to know people from all around the world. This podcast is downloaded in over 20 different countries and the majority of states in the U.S. of A. So if you or someone you know are looking to get more traffic to your site, more followers on your social, more purchases of your product, more clicks on your whatever, all you have to do is message us. Our sponsorship rates and advertising are extremely reasonable, and we would love to partner with you. And now, getting to know you. Hello. Getting to know you. Getting to know all about you. I'm going to do a terrific show today. Getting to like you. Getting to hope you like me. Because I'm good enough. Getting to know you. Putting it my way, but nicely. I'm smart enough. You are precisely. And doggone it. On today's show, we are getting to know Jillian. And Jillian is coming to us from Vancouver, and which is obviously in Canada, which I always 
get nervous that I'm going to slur and say Canada for some weird reason. Um, Jillian, thank you so much for taking some time to uh, let everybody get to know you, man. I really appreciate it. My pleasure. Thanks for having me on. And um, in full disclosure, you are one of the people where um, you come on and I get wicked nervous because I get overwhelmed by the totality of your talent. <laughs> and it's like, I, I was reading through your website, which has one of the dopest, like, intro pictures out had had pictures of like 25 of you at a table oh yeah dude that picture i i saw that picture and i was like god i don't know if i can keep up with this person in a conversation i that that picture i think made me the most nervous that's so kind but that was completely the photographer's idea how so and I, obviously people can't see it but there literally are like 25 different like personalities of you all around uh is it actual like a poker table or more like a dinner table it's a poker table but it's based on the last supper all right yeah and so my middle character is like my jesus character and then <laughs> everyone else around and like how many characters did came naturally to you and how many were like, man, I'll put on the outfit, but it's not me. <laughs> a lot of them, they represent people in the famous females in the poker world. Ah. So it was more like I was calling on them and their their personalities. Okay. And do you get, um? because that circle's got to be kind of tight. I would imagine, and I know nothing about, I mean, I know like very basics about poker, but I don't know much about the lifestyle or the social parts of it. But I would assume if you guys are professionals, you're kind of, you're running into each other all the time. Yeah, like poker is extremely popular. It always, it always surprises me how many people watch poker or play like with their grandparents and stuff. But then in terms of actual professionals that are traveling around, it's quite niche. Okay. So did you get like good responses from them? Were, were different people like, oh man, appreciate the shout out on your website pick. Yeah. Um, yeah. A lot of people are like, yeah, that was totally me. And other people, I think they're kind of like, well, I don't know if I like the representation, but, <laughs> <laughs> but whatever it's art. Right. <laughs> Dude, I was also curious, like how long does that photograph take? Surprisingly, it took like three hours. That's it. Yeah, I, that's how I felt to him. When the photographer told me, he's like, well, it'll be about three hours. I'm like, what, for hair changes, makeup changes, right? everything? He's like, yep, yeah. but sure enough, like he would just get me into the pose and then quickly take a few snaps and be like, we're good. I'm like, what if I don't like that one? <laughs> but he was very professional. Um, so I actually have him on salary. So I go to him every month for photo shoots. So I'm thinking about like the next big one like that. And I want to do another art piece, like a famous art piece that we can replicate. God. Would you call it like, I, I guess replicate would probably be better, better not, or would it be like satire-ish? It's definitely satire-ish. <laughs> the other one on my Instagram that is also same kind of concept is we did per, um, Girl with the Pearl Earring. I'm not, I'm unfamiliar with that. I might have to Google. Yeah, that was our other one that was kind of a play on these famous pieces of art what got you into that are you like artsy i'm artsy but um i like i do really like art but everything i do i do really hard for a little bit of time and then i kind of get bored of it (laughs) (laughs) 
but, that's what talented so this people is good do, that he man. keeps me on schedule like every month we have to come up with a different concept gotcha so you just like the idea of like tagging that famous art and the girl with the pearl earring i have seen that before i didn't know its name but yeah that um yeah exactly it's famous but you might not know the name yeah i've never is it johannes vermeer god that's terrible well, I was going to correct you because like, I said, I'm terrible at names too. <laughs> you could have corrected <laughs> I was me. I going to let you do that one. Dude, you could have totally like corrected me and been like, actually, it's Johannes Vermeer. Yeah, but then you get all the comments. <laughs> and, then I, and then I'd be like, oh my God, I apologize. But then I saw it was 1665 and I doubt any of his ancestors will be listening to this. <laughs> You never know. That is true. We'll tag them. We'll see what happens. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> see if we can get an uprising. Um, so what are you, um, what, what are you thinking about doing next? It's COVID's been tough on me because poker was my main form of income and I'm a live professional player. So um, there is online poker and it's legal in Canada, but that's not where I feel comfortable. I like the live environment. I like talking to people and seeing my opponents and getting to know them. And that's something that I have a big edge in. So online poker has never, I actually get bored playing online, like not being able to talk to people and just looking at cards all the time. Really? So since COVID, I haven't been playing poker. So I've basically been unemployed. So I don't know what's next for me, but things are starting to open up, but it'll, I have um, to travel because I play fairly high stakes, so I can't stay in one location to play. I have to go where the different games are, and oh, that's obviously not possible right now. Gotcha. Actually, I was just talking about the painting, not like life in general. Like, what <laughs> art were you going to make fun of next? Although that led me to more. But yeah, did you have a thought of the art that you were going to make fun of next? I'd love to see I was you thinking Salvador about doing Dali. that one, the dinner table one with the whole family. What is it called? Um... You know, it's got the whole family and the turkey, and it would be a poker version of that. Um, I'm trying to think. I think it's just called like family at dinner or something. I think he's an American artist. Really? No, never heard of that one either. Um, oh, I'm sure you have. If I actually knew it, let me. You're googling it too. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> that's how. That's 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 exactly where we are as humans and culture. Yeah. Exactly. Man dinner table and would you do the same thing or would you actually have your family get into it and be around the table i never even thought, thought of inviting my family <laughs> no it was just gonna be me <laughs> self-promoter shameless self-promoter yeah. yeah exactly i can't even imagine i feel like with all of my family members there'd just be so much argument um but it's the Norman Rockwell Thanksgiving uh, okay I knew see god I should have just gone with it I knew it had to be a Norman Rockwell yeah. Because that's what he does. He kind of, whatever, like popularized traditional America, right? Yeah. Good job. Good job. Way to go, Norman. Oh, okay. You know, actually, I'd never seen that one. Really? Maybe it's not as famous as I think then. Or, I mean, I don't know if I am want to be your fame barometer, man, to be honest with you. I like yeah. it, though. I can... I can, man, it's just so funny to take something classical like that and then put it in the world of poker. Yeah. You yeah, know, exactly. like, like I just, it, the I don't know if irony satire is right. It's awesome. So, oh, well, thank you. Um, and I always thought this way about online poker. Like it's so hard for me to trust a computer and not feel like I'm being cheated. Maybe it's cause I grew up playing video games and every time I lost, I always felt like the 
game cheated me. And did it? Or was that just your thought? Man, if if only it would have answered, I would have known. You know, if I could have found that like Nintendo programmer who could have told me. Yeah. But I always just like, there's this, uh, to me, an inherent mistrust when you have not only the people clicking and whatever, like the distribution of cards, but then just the actual computer program itself. It's almost like playing slots. I feel like they're just an algorithm. And then if you can manipulate it, the house is definitely always going to win. The thing within poker, though, you're playing against opponents versus on slot machines you're playing against it, it it is for the house's advantage if they manipulate it to be a higher percentage for sure right. but in poker there isn't because they make their money off of rake so no matter what each hand they're going to make money or if you're playing a tournament the tournament the only way they would make more money is if more players play so unless they put in fake players or something see that's but exactly that's what i was thinking man like do you know if greg is really greg or does he work for whatever online poker machine or website it is? Like, but maybe I just get paranoid like that. Well, there has definitely been it problems in the past. The biggest one probably would be a developer or somebody, some connection, giving them an account that had access to see someone else's cards. Oh, really? That was a legit thing that you found out about? Yeah. No yeah, way. and we call that go- being in God mode, right? But the reality of the situation is poker is very mathematical and people that are attracted to the game at the highest level aren't stupid people. (laughs) So it's pretty obvious to see if they're making like, if they're making plays that wouldn't make sense unless you knew the actual cards. Okay. Because of the probability, right? And again, I'm pretty ignorant to it, but it's basically is all like probability calculations. Yeah, exactly. And you have to make the right decision based on the information that you have. And so if they're making the right decision all the time based on information that they shouldn't have, it becomes very obvious. So then the person cheating would have to take that into account and would have to actually like lose a fair amount of time. Right. And so that that could be possible, but they would still have to make it look obvious because otherwise they just become an outlier. And because it's on the computer, it's so easy to track all that oh, stuff. Oh, because you get all the data from that as well, huh? Exactly. So you, oh. you could easily spot a, a complete idiot, like someone that was really just taking advantage. Gotcha. But if and they, they actually did it intelligently and played just like a human but making correct decisions slightly more, then it would be very hard to spot but that's going to be such a tiny percentage of the entire population right i man i don't know to be honest with you like i like in my head i'm just like on this online poker world when i think of like cryptocurrency and bitcoin and all these algorithms and hackers i'm like why wouldn't they go into these online poker rooms and like just have some artificial intelligence thing that can crack in there like you were saying see the cards know what's coming up yet manipulate the next card that's going to be dealt and then they're winners, you know, that. I, but maybe, I don't know, maybe I'm just yeah, fantastical in my thoughts. God mode has happened, but it's obviously like someone close to the developer. The bigger problem is something you kind of mentioned there, which is bots, like artificial intelligence. But um, the good thing about No Limit Poker is it ha- hasn't been completely solved. So the way like chess is solved and a computer can do the right play all the time. Uh-huh. There, 
isn't quite that technology with artificial intelligence in no limit poker. Mm. So um, the bots, there are bots that play and they're the sites are constantly watching for that. And, but yet they're not, they're going to be able to beat like lower stakes, but not higher stakes. Because the, again, the, whatever the chance card that's coming next, there's just too many of them for them to be successful. It's more because no limit, there's too many variables because it, no limit means you can bet any amount. So that's what the computer has itself, the exact right amount huh. to bet at each time. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, like pre-no limit, it, the state in Texas Hold'em, which is the game I play, was limit, which meant you could only bet a fixed limit on each street. And that was quickly solved because the, there's so few variables the computer could figure them out. But no limit is much more complex. Do, yeah, so like do the bluffs just completely screw the bots up? Like if you go all in, does the circuit board fry because the bot's confused with the chance you have like i guess like a, bl a bluff play or something like that yeah like it would be very mathematical in its thinking the bot and it would think okay um i have to be correct this amount of time when i'm calling if this person's bluffing so this person has to be bluffing this amount of time and if you're bluffing more than that then it's going to always be correct to call and if you're bluffing less than that then the bot might not make the right call Man. enough of the time. Gotcha. So clearly you own several bots and deploy them across the internet. What do you name them? <laughs> I do not. I've never, <laughs> I've never had one. And it's not something I worry about either. Like I, it recently came out that PokerStars, which is the largest online poker site, they finally released that information on how many accounts they've found are bots. And it was, it was 1%. Oh, uh, okay. So the majority is just people just wanting to play poker at home and have, have some fun time. So it's not something I think you should be that worried about, even though it does exist. Gotcha. And are you, so when you said you kind of like to see the people, do you try to do like a, like a side chat or is there audio that goes along with it where people can log in and like, you have like five, six different screens of your faces? They've tried that and it hasn't worked too well. But that is something we're all dealing with. Right now, the World Series of Poker is going on, and it's online for the first year ever because of COVID. Oh, no way. I didn't know that. Yeah. So that's something that everyone's been talking about is how can we make sure the person that's playing is the person that they say they are? Like, you didn't sign up for your wife's account, and you're playing your account and her account, and yada, mm, yada, yada. That's a good, right? Because you only get that one seat. So if yeah. you enroll in, like, gotcha. Oh, man. And in the future, I know that it's not right now. How they stop that right now is they are using real names for when you get to the final table. So you can actually search that person. That person has to have submitted identity proof. Obviously, there's still ways around that, but at least it's like one step closer to this is the person I'm actually playing. Yeah. Man, that's man. Yeah, that's interesting. I didn't know the on. Uh, the world series of poker is going online as well. But I guess I feel like the poker people would embrace a bubble or no, like you guys wouldn't get there like two weeks early, just run out an entire casino and 
televise it, quarantine yourselves for two weeks, and then play all day? The problem is with the World Series poker main event, they get like uh, 8,000, 9,000 people. <laughs> oh, that's when it starts. Jesus, how ignorant yeah. am I? I guess that's why the pot's so big then, huh, when you win. Exactly. Because everybody's exactly. putting in. Have you, and it's, it's a filthy environment. <laughs> it, <laughs> I could not, I, just from what I understand, I could not imagine for my um, basic just stereotypes watching it on like whatever ESPN too. Yeah. How um how close have you come to winning or have you won? No, never won. Um, I've never even cashed in the main event. Um, we've never had a female at the final table. Oh, really? Unless Barbara and right, she might have gone to the final table, but that was like when, when it, before it was big. But um, in most recent years, we had a tenth place and ninth place is considered final table. But yeah, no females ever gotten there. Um, please give me your theory. Are there gender bias within the cards? Do we need no, to get an outrage? Do we need to get woke? Simply the amount of players, like uh, about three percent of the field is female. Man. I had no idea. Is that in general or just for that World Series of Poker? Probably in the World Series of Poker, it's even like a little bit higher. But um, yeah, in general, there's not many female poker players right now. But we're really interested to see online results, whether that's different. When earlier hmm. I, I was talking to people and their prediction was that there's going to be more females playing online because... Mostly when I play, I'm just always surrounded by guys, right? Like if you're talking 3% of the field is female, most of the time I'm with men. So maybe that's just such an intimidating environment that they're more comfortable playing online. Right. But we don't have the numbers yet. Man, that, yeah. And reading, um, again, just reading your bio, and I know not much about you other than your bio, you um, you seem like with your uh, – what you've been through in life. <laughs> I don't know if you would be intimidated easily by being around guys. Yeah, I don't know. I remember the first time I played and I sat down and yeah, it was all men and I was so intimidated. And, really? but I think that would be the truth for anyone. Yeah. The like, first time they play. Exactly. Yeah. Wasn't that more about the first time more so than just being around guys though? Yeah, I think it was more about the first time. Right. But I think men have a, an ego that's more obvious. Like, So they all acted like they were the best in the world. And that made me more nervous. Oh. And then as I got better, I realized, wow, like, they yeah. all suck, right? <laughs> but they still had the confidence as if they were the best. Irrational confidence. Men are very well known for their irrational <laughs> confidence for sure. And I think it serves them well, it, or it serves anyone well. Like I think in sports and something like poker, you do need to have confidence. So I see where that has come from. But uh, yeah, as your opponent, as their opponent, I have to quickly realize what which is true and which is just them, their huge egos. Right. So does and that's funny because that gets kind of back to you really enjoy the live person thing. But if you're having to like deal with these egos and sort through that, that actually works to your advantage because then you start figuring out, is it called traits or whatever? Or like when people have, t um, what's a tell? Yeah. Is that like something that you just rely on these dudes being like 
gregarious and you're like, oh shit, every time you crack a joke, you actually have blank. Yeah, I actually think that that's a huge strong point of mine is being able to rec- recognize tales. And that's not to the point that you see in movies where people are like, oh, when he winks or something, he has it. It's when he more breaks of, the cookie apart. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then didn't he lick it? Too? Oh, dude, there was a, a, the listening and the licking on that scene. I feel like Malkovich should have got a fucking Oscar, man. Like he was, he was that cookie. He brought that cookie alive. I was like, wow. And it's such an important scene in the entire movie. too. It, dude, it, it, it's pivotal and it's so yeah. well done. Yeah. Sorry. I didn't that's, mean to cut you off, but yeah, but like that's the best poker movie, by the way. Like, I don't know why poker is so t- it's, it, I think it's so interesting and you get such a group of characters and then there's so few movies that are, well done about poker. You know, that's a good call. Cause I don't, I honestly can't, aside from like Westerns here and there, Mel Gibson had like a cute one with Jodie Foster that I remember liking as a kid. Was that that Maverick one? Yes. But then yeah. I rewatched it and I'm like, Oh God, why did I like this? <laughs> right? Like no wonder I was, no wonder people thought I was a dork. Cause I was like going around, <laughs> like trying to quote Maverick lines to be cool. That's pretty awesome, though. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he does get with Jodie Foster, and Jodie Foster is prime Jodie Foster. But, like, yeah. Rounders, to me, like, what is the – is there a second one? They're supposed to be making one. Yeah, I don't know if it's already filmed, but they did announce that they are making a second Rounders. I thought I heard that. Yeah. I don't know, man. How do you think that's going to go? Like, trying to recreate just a cult classic. Like, I don't even know if it's a cult classic. Just a fucking classic like that. I don't know. Like I say, there hasn't been any good poker movies since then. So I, I, I my, what is it? My expectations are going to be very, very low. And so maybe I'll love it. <laughs> that's, that's the key to lower expectations. Although man, all the characters in that movie, except for Matt Damon's girlfriend, I never got Matt Damon's girlfriend, the, the lawyer that winds up like not really supporting him. But doesn't that make sense to you? <laughs> I think that character is very real. Yeah, just the fear of you falling to be a complete degenerate, so you're not going to exactly. show the line. You just, you just said it exactly. Like, that makes sense, right? Uh, I guess, yeah. I, I just, maybe it was the way, like, come on, girl, you got Matt Damon. He's a winner. You got to have some belief in a winner. Maybe that's, <laughs> but, that was But he's issue. literally, like, not winning when she's upset. <laughs> You're a little incorrect there because she gets upset since he comes home as a winner, busting up all the judges. Uh, okay. Right. Well, I still totally understand. Um, like I chose poker as a career because it allowed me to travel because traveling is my passion. But I always tell people like, it's just such a tough career. If you could do anything else, you should do anything else. <laughs> yeah, man. Cause you're almost like a freelancer, right? Like you're paying for your own tickets, paying for your own lodging, stuff like that. Or are you sponsored where you kind of have figured out a way to get um, like those perks? I've done both. Oh, really? And I actually prefer not being sponsored because like I said, like I became a poker player for the freedom. And when you're sponsored, you're now working for someone. And they were telling you like where to go, where to be kind of a thing? 
yeah, and that's part of the contract. That's what you have to do. Things like I'm not allowed to cut my hair and stuff like that. Like all of that is part of a sponsorship deal. Oh my, you couldn't cut your hair in a sponsorship deal? How much? No, because you have to look at the image. You have to look like what they present you as. How much did you get paid to not cut your hair? Because if I could put it out there right now, I'm open for that. I will not cut my hair for a certain (laughs) amount of money. I'm willing to. I think you have to do other things besides not cut your hair. Yeah, but it's like a portion, right? So like if the if the sponsorship was 10 grand, it would have been like 9.95 with a haircut allowance. But if you agree to not cut your hair, a full 10 grand. Oh, see, I didn't even go that far into the contract. <laughs> I'm just like, okay, yeah. And yeah, now if I did again, I probably would have think about these things more clearly. Right? Totally cut it. And then you just get really bad weaves and wigs that you put in to spite them to meet like the hair length requirement. Yeah. <laughs> and then you never get sponsored again. So that's a terrible yeah, idea. Exactly. That'll, <laughs> that'll go around really quickly. I bet. Who was, um, and I, I guess you don't have to name that sponsor. Um, but like, who are some people that sponsor poker players? Is it well, like poker companies or is it like Coca-Cola kind of things like name brand, like large companies? The online sites make an insane amount of money. Um, so they have an insane amount of money to that they could be giving to poker pros. Now, when I started playing, um, it was when online poker was becoming a big thing and ESPN started televising poker. And so it was a huge boom. And then they were getting advertising from... ESPN as well. So those people, so it's almost like, like an F1 driver or something. You have all these sponsors and you have to wear their logo when you're on a televised event. Gotcha. And you just weren't down with being told to put on that polo. It just wasn't for me. It doesn't make that much sense because I don't know. I no longer need them. Oh. Like I, I can cover my own bankroll and stuff. And so therefore I ha- just have the freedom. Like I did, I don't get as much out of it as that. It makes it worth for, worth it for me. Got you. Oh my God. So then now you just made me realize the second greatest poker movie I'd ever seen, which is a documentary that I cannot remember the name of, but it was this dude and it was all about his bankroll and him building it up. Um, he was traveling in an RV. He would have to like go cross country. He would have to wear like wigs and facial, like, like mustaches and beards and things to go play. And he was constantly getting kicked out of casinos. Do you have any idea what I'm talking about? No, this is a poker movie. It's like a legit documentary. This guy, it's, it's, it's real. He goes on. And I, when you said bankroll, it um, clicked on me. He traveled the country. I think he went literally in a circle around the country it's on netflix and the whole point of it was him and the thing that was interesting to me which is what i was going to ask you about is i had never considered i have my own bankroll where when you go in you're playing with like 10 percent of your total savings and you kind of like that's kind of the thing was like the slow and steady grind of a percentage gain versus just feeling this adrenaline of being a winner and putting all of it in he was like Real poker players don't ever really put it all in. They have this bankroll that they keep so that they can keep playing. Yeah, that's a smart way to do it for sure. (laughs) (laughs) Not put it all on the line the way they do in the movies or 
Um, but yeah, I definitely know people that have obviously put it all on the line. I, I did that when I was a lot younger. Just completely went all in on the bankroll. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Can you tell me a little bit, and I don't know how much detail you want to get in. Cause I don't know if that's like a, um, a thing within the industry. Almost like asking someone like, well, how much money do you make? Like your salary, but like what percent are you taking to tournaments of your bankroll? Does it vary? Like I, I I know nothing about the insights of it. Well, that's where poker gets really complicated is because unlike any other sport, not that I think poker is a sport, but activity, these players are putting their own money out for the prize pool. So what happened, like obviously in tennis or something, you're not putting your own money in. So, and there's a huge portion of poker that is luck. So then what happens is because we're individuals, it makes sense that we also bet on ourselves, but on people that we think are going to win. And so that's where it gets so complicated that we actually sell pieces to each other. So you bet on other people you think are going to win by taking a percentage of them. So if it's a $10,000 buy-in, they might, sell themselves what we call like a markup of like 1.2 percent so for a thousand you're playing 1200 so then they get to keep that because they've done all the hard work but that's generally how poker player that that system works is they're actually selling a piece of themselves is what we call it and you're you're buying pieces of people that you think are good players and stuff. And so then that gets so complicated because who has pieces of who, like who's in the best interest for this person to win and stuff. And yeah, it's very complicated. So how many, like going into a tournament, how many are you looking? Does it, is, is there like a roster? Do you just have like 10 people that you go to that you have faith in and how they play that you're willing to um, sell, or I guess it would be buy a piece of, right? Yeah, now that there's the internet, there's actually like a site that helps you with that. Oh, no way. Like your stats are up there so you can get pieces of you sold based on how good you are? Exactly. Oh my gosh. Yeah. You jeepers. And this new online site that's actually hosting the World Series of Poker this year, it's called GG Poker. And that's built right into their platform. So it's designed that way that you can buy pieces of people right in the platform. No. Oh my gosh. And then the platform just takes a piece of that as well. I'm sure. Yeah. I haven't actually looked into that, what they take, but you're right. They, they probably take it. Yeah. It almost seems like, like stock, like when you buy a stock or whatever, you know, I got stocks through Fidelity. Every time I buy or sell Fidelity's grabbing a little part of that. Yeah, exactly. They need to get their big out of it. Yeah. So then are you, you're st- it almost sounds now like poker is becoming so, especially with the online part and the um, recording of it, it's almost like baseball where like, you know, you can know like a left-handed hitter versus a right-handed pitcher on August in a night game hits 30% of their singles, 0% home runs kind of a thing. Like it just seems so specific. Is it like that for you guys? Where like, you know, when the tendencies of people to... Fl- bluff fold uh, uh if they bet if they double their bet it leads to this oh on online poker for sure there's a lot of that we call we use what's called a hud 
And that's another debate in the online world, like should those be legal, where the computer is constantly keeping those stats on the people for you? Right. Oh, yeah. That seems like such a cheat. Yeah, I don't know. Like, uh, I've never thought of it as cheating because it just seemed like something you did to study your opponent, especially with online poker. Like in live poker, the only thing you're focused on is those other eight people at your table. But on online poker, you're often playing multiple tables. Oh, really? So it's so hard to remember what's that one person from your table. So getting a computer to remember that for you makes sense to me. Sounds lazy to me. I got to be honest, Jillian. Yeah. Sounds sounds like you just need to focus on one table. No, I'm kidding. Yeah. I, I see both sides of the argument. And I actually play without a HUD. I'm one of the few players that do that because I, I'm used to playing live without a HUD. But if you're a new player, you should definitely learn about what a HUD, it, HUD is and what the stats are and why it kind of would even teach you what you're supposed to be looking for if you're not used to that. Yeah, right. So then it would like train you. So then when you go live, if we ever, Lord willing, go live again, um, you would just be able to know or have that like that... um the percentage is almost in your head, right? Like the probability, the right play in your head. Yeah, exactly. You're learning to do it versus the computer doing it for you. Dude, that's hilarious. Cause I was going to ask you online. I was like, do you like secretly take notes? And now you tell me about this HUD thing. I'm like, God, you don't even have to take notes. It's just calculated. You just get to see it. Yeah. You see it in numbers very quickly, but yeah, there's also a tab for taking notes on every player. So normally that's just like this person that beat me on this and this is how the percentage of the pot they bet or the, and yeah, that's normally what the notes say, or this person's a friend of the stream. This person, if you know that person's online screen name, you might put who their real name is and stuff like that. So that you can keep just understanding. Do you yeah. act differently online than you do in person? Like most Americans and Canadians? <laughs> like when I, my play style? Yeah. It's just to like screw up the numbers. So like all of a sudden you get people thinking Jillian is this type of better when she's online. And then when you go live, it's almost like a rope-a-dope. <laughs> I probably do that, but unintentionally. <laughs> I think online poker is very different. So um, my bet sizing is very different online than it is live. And it's, just it's a it's quite a different game actually just because it's so it seems like it's just because it's so computerized and almost like I, I now i understand what you're talking about like taking the fun out of it with all those numbers and the right play it, it's just not doesn't seem thrilling yeah and maybe i've converted you maybe you need to get an online player to like spark your interest in it because that is definitely how i feel the other thing is that because you're multi-tabling online, that th- you're just not going to take as many like super interesting spots because people live, it takes so long to get a hand that you can play. And it's just such a slower process that you're more invested in every hand you play. Whereas online, you're just like, okay, well, I've got another table over here. I've got another hand. Like I don't have to try to figure out how I'm going to win this exact hand. Whereas live, I'm always like, well, what are my options to win this hand? Easier to cut bait. Got you. Yeah. That, I didn't even think about that either, but again, I don't, I don't think about poker much. Um, <laughs> but that, that's a good point. Cause you, yeah. Having all that, that's right, man. I forget. Like you guys literally sit at those tables for hours, right? Yeah. It's tough. 
What's like a typical stretch for you? Is eight hours? Is it an eight hour day? Tournaments are 12 hours. At a time? Straight. Yeah, it's brutal. But I don't play many tournaments because I don't like the long structures. I play like cash, like the old, what the Maverick style, where you can come and go at any time and all the chips in front of you are, are your, re, your own money. You're not playing tournament chips. They're like actual cash value. Oh, so the tournament, that's how the tournament gets you then. So if you leave, the chips have no value. You got to cash them out right at the very end. Tournaments, tournaments are very new and they're, it's, it's interesting. So the World Series of Poker that's going on right now, the first one ever, they came up with this idea that, hey, we need to have like a champion for poker. Like, how can we do that? And what they did is they just invited the biggest high rollers in the world. And this was Binion's Casino in Las Vegas. And they made this like glass room so people could watch them. And they just, they just invited the highest high rollers and they sat around. I think they, I'm not exactly sure how long they played for, but I think it was about a week. And then at the end of the week, they voted for her, who they thought the best poker player was. Oh, wow. Who voted? The people watching? No, the people playing. Oh my. <laughs> and the one rule was you couldn't vote for yourself. I would hope. Right. Yeah. I don't know how they came. Like that seems like that would just be argumentative, right? With everyone's egos. No, and stuff. no doubt. Exactly. Wow. Yes. So then who's who's the person in the board meeting that doesn't have the better idea Yeah. or like who, who's scared to speak up when like Tim suggests that. And, and at the end, since it's poker and everybody bets, we're actually going to vote to determine. And you're like, Ooh, plot twist. Juicy. So then what they did to actually evolve the game is they created tournament poker. And what that meant is the blinds go up. So the, minimum amount that you have to put in each hand increased okay and then eventually they just increase until you're down to one player got you yeah right yeah and you don't like that huh it's so long and it's it's actually the voting system you probably would get more you're more likely get a better player because there's so much luck it when when the blinds are increasing the, the higher they increase the more luck there is involved so if you're voting what are the qualities you're looking for for them to earn your vote like and so i'm a basketball guy so i would be like mvp and different people who vote for mvps value different things so what would you value for their your best poker player so i would want a player that didn't just get lucky so they didn't just win because they they got lucky. I would want someone that I saw outplayed other players or me, like didn't necessarily have the best hand, but still won. Or when they did have the best hand, they were able to extract the most amount of money without uh, making it obvious that they had the best hand. Got you. Yeah. So that, man, that's hella interesting to me. And and we got on a side note about rounders when you were telling me about um, tells or whatnot. But it's got to be so hard when you know or when you feel like, yeah, this is a 90% to not just be so overzealous and let everyone else know that you're, you're a winner. And I've started streaming on Twitch and I, I was a professional poker player before I started streaming. And a lot of the streamers, they make their money off of streaming versus playing. And that's what they're very good at is like acting for the camera and stuff. 
And when I stream, I'm just so used to being completely stoic at the poker table and not acting. Uh. <laughs> I see it can be like coin boing. There was a hand where I had a uh, royal flush. And I literally like say in the camera, oh, I have a royal. <laughs> and then I was watching like a new streamer and he's like jumping up and down. I'm like all excited, but I can't do that in a live environment. <laughs> and I'm unfamiliar with how poker goes on Twitch. So like you saying you have a royal, the other players are unable to see that or they can, they're seeing it right there. Like you're live at a table. It's there on delay. So okay. yeah, they'll see it in five minutes. Got you, got you, got you, got you. Yeah. And then how'd that hand work out for you? Yeah, I won. Like I got, we got it all in. <laughs> <laughs> I was able to get it all in. I checked River and he shoved. And so it worked out perfectly, but I definitely failed at the dramatic actions that you're supposed to be on Twitch. <laughs> yeah. All the young kids tell me I should check Twitch out. I'm still, I'm still trying to figure out TikTok. I don't know if I can go down the Twitch road yet. <laughs> uh, yeah, I didn't know what Twitch was, what, two years ago? And then I'm just like randomly decided, oh, I'm going to try streaming on Twitch. And I tweeted that, which was the wrong thing to do because then I had to commit to it. <laughs> so <laughs> no, then I had to learn what Twitch was. And, it's the right thing yeah. to do. It forces you. Yeah. Are there like standards of like if you have a winning hand, the right thing to do is check? Or do you have to like keep in your head, hey man, I've checked the last three times I've had a winning hand. Let me up, let let me let me hit them with whatever, a little more money. It's a raise, right? Because that's how much I know about poker. And like just to throw them off. Yeah, you're completely right. And but that that's another level. So if you're taking you're playing against someone that's a complete beginner or isn't that observant, you could probably could get away with just like always betting when you had it and just like always folding when you don't right check and check 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 he check all yeah. night he check all nights <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly but then when you start to play against someone that is a good player or at my level then what we call it's called balancing and you have to sometimes you have to have the right frequency of bluffs to what we call value hands so a bluff is when you're betting to get the player to fold and a value hand is when you're betting because you think you have the best hand right okay and man do you, and this is again where i go to the online stuff and what you were saying about that hud and i feel like what a fucking cheat because if something can keep that in your head along with just dealing with the the game itself like that's such an advantage yeah, exactly. That's why they are completely different games because one side of it is really learning how to construct your HUD and read those numbers properly. And then the other live poker is more figuring out how to get that information on your own. How do you, do, do you ever get to turn your mind off? I do for cash <laughs> games because it's become like that for me. But then I really enjoy it when I, when it's a tough decision Really, because it's not that common anymore. Like for the most part, I'm playing against players that it's pretty obvious, but then when I get to play against a really good player, then I get to play, make more interesting decisions and I get to do things that I wouldn't be able to do against an amateur. Like, so the amateurs, you can just go in and you tell their tales, you know, when they're doing stuff or I, 
I guess I need to stop saying doing stuff. How do you take advantage of an amateur? Let me ask that. That'd probably be a better question. It would depend on what their leak, we call them leaks, what their mistakes are. Um, there's the type of people that they bluff too much. So in that case, you're just going to, you're not going to be making the bets. You're going to let them bluff into you and just be calling. And then you have the type of players that would be the complete opposite in that it's scared money. And then you're just like, if they're actually betting, then you're just not going to stay around. Because <laughs> they don't want to lose that bad. Exactly. So they always have it, right? Wait, that's that's basically it. Leaks and so bluffing too much and scared money. Yeah. And then you have just the people that are in the middle that they're not going to bluff enough. And they're not going to, then um, they're not really scared money. And like, that's, those are the type of people that are probably pretty easy to play too. Because if a player is bluffing all the time, then you actually have to wait for a real hand, which sucks because you can't be calling his bluffs if you don't have a hand either. Right. But um, someone that's in the middle, then I get to bluff at him and I also get to call him down. Because they actually want to play the game a little more, a little more versatile. Yeah. Yeah. What do you what, kind of make fun of a, a an over bluffer? <laughs> like what would an over bluffer? Like, no, no, no. Like how would you spot them? Like almost like caricature them for me. Like if, cause I'm ignorant to it. So if I'm walking by, what, what traits am I seeing? Like gold chains? Are they in flip flops? Is their posture like, yeah, like leaning in? <laughs> they were two cell phones. Often <laughs> <laughs> uh, overweight. It probably the biggest thing would be body position. Like they're probably lean, leaning forward because they can't wait to play another hand. Ah. Whereas the nit, the person that doesn't play any hands, they're like reading a book <laughs> at the <laughs> table. They're not even paying attention. They're... That's interesting. Yeah, right. So then leaning in, man. Did you go like formal studying into trying to read body language and stuff like that? Or it just came natural? Like you just, your mind works that way where you put those things together. A lot of mine is just from experience. Like even though I travel heaps, it seems like I can still relate that to an opponent that I've played in the past. Like even though I haven't played this person before, they remind me of this person. Mm. And sometimes I can't exactly tell what they're doing like why i feel that way but i i believe that there's something that your mind's already figured out even if you can't actually tell someone else give it away almost like a universal trait like a bluffer for whatever reason in the human psyche they lean in kind of a thing yeah and i think it's a little more complicated than that like it's a certain type of person like the these type of people will lean in, uh, these type of people will lean back. But I think it's just putting those people into those categories. Man. And scared money. Can, is it okay to say, can we make fun of people who bet scared money? What would they be like? What would you make fun of them about? Well, I remember, <laughs> and I actually feel bad about this, but I remember playing in California and this player sitting down at my game and a regular said to him, made it apparent that he doesn't normally play that stakes and he was sitting down with a weird amount it was like 37,500 like uh, not an even number and then he's like what did you do take your 
um, school tuition out. And the kid's like, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So he like straight out said that. And I felt bad for him because I eventually left, but I went back to check on the table. And at that portion of the night, I think he had like 2,500 left or something. 37.5 to 2,500. And I think he went bust. Like, I didn't go back a third time, but I think the guy, because he was playing heads up, he's playing against one other person. I think that guy took all his money. And the next day, I remember talking at the table. I'm like, you guys, like, I feel so bad for him. And they're like, well, it's his choice. And don't feel bad for him. He'll just call his mommy, and his mommy will tell him, or his daddy will tell him that he's a been bad boy, and then they'll give him the money again. That's... I don't know. Dude, that's another iconic scene in um, Rounders. Don't they go to Atlantic City? And they, they like just try to sit at the table and then they walk into the casino and it's all the real poker players and they're just licking their chops over how they're going to take advantage yeah. of these people trying to have a good time. Yeah. And I think the truth is from that actually poker players do struggle with that. Not so much like taking someone's money, but am I going to use this? to contribute to the society in the best way because we're playing poker so we feel this aspect that our lives aren't that fulfilled and so then when we take someone else's money are we taking someone that would have done better with it with it or not wait stop that's the that that's the moral conundrum you're feeling i think so and i from what the people that i've talked to like we all feel like that that you don't have a value add to society I mean, I don't even think casino should be open during Corona because I don't think there's they contribute enough to society. Even though that's how you make your money, like your that's your career, you yeah. feel like they shouldn't be open. Yeah, I I definitely don't think they should be open, but I do think that we have to be when we choose a profession like this, we have to be extra aware that we're very lucky to what we do what we do. So let's figure out how we can also give back more to the world. Holy shit. I had no idea. Cause dude, like again, and I'm, I'm a pretty horrible, it, I think we had said this before recording, but I find it out all the time, the way that I think about what other people are going through. And they're like, no, I didn't consider it. Like, I really feel something in me as a deep rooted capitalist because I'm looking at 37, five and I'm thinking like, I'm gonna upgrade to get leather seats. <laughs> I'm I'm going home first class. <laughs> you right? don't think that any part of you would feel a little guilty if you knew it was a student and it was his tuition? Man, right? Like, I I feel like a terrible person, but I feel like it's eat or be eaten. Like you're and that, coming. That's there. what you kind of have to think about, and that's like the one positive thing about poker. I think because there's probably other atmospheres where people don't even know that they're being taken advantage of, like they don't even know, but in poker that you're sitting down and you're choosing to put your money there. Now, so that, yeah, right. But that would be interesting. So like, if you're a professional poker player, should you have a scarlet letter, like almost like an ID badge that you have to go and wear at a table so that chumps like that and me would know, um, I think I'm betting minimum and I'm just going to see what happens for an hour and then I'm out the whole time. Yeah, and when people ask me my profession, if they don't know who I am, I at the table, I would never lie. Like I've always just say I play full time, so they can they can literally just ask that. But at the stakes I play nowadays, I think it's pretty. the The players are 
good enough that they can spot that immediately. Because you're playing at such a high, um, it, what's the initial bet called? Um, like the, the, the pot the, or we, in no limit hold'em, we use blinds lines. So your blind is so high that it kind of weeds out people who are just learning because it's just so much of a loss for them. Yeah. You get both. You get like it, high, high six poker is exactly that it's pros against rich amateurs at lower stakes players. You get like more, uh, varied, like you get some like pros that can't quite make it to the high stakes level. And then you get like amateurs, maybe good amateurs that aren't necessarily rich. And, and then you also have like, um, spewy people too, but yeah, at high stakes, it's, it's pretty much like just those two distinctions. Wait, did you say spewy people? Yeah. <laughs> If you ever don't understand me, let me know because I use all these poker vocabulary because they have their own language and my parents are always like, what are you saying? Dude, I, no, I love it. What's a spewy person? Is that that kid who coming up with 37.5? No, it'd be more someone that was just like throwing money away, like wasting it. Huh. Oh, like spew. Oh, that makes sense, yeah. right? Like you're spewing. Yeah. So wait, how much of the 37.5 did you take before you were like, God, this is just wrong? Well, I think I, I don't think I left because I'm like this is just wrong. I think I left because I was tired. <laughs> I'm not that good of a person, but um, <laughs> I think I took like five k. God, five k. Yeah, that's not terrible. What's it's once that's fifteen percent of his pot. You're fine. Yeah. Right. <laughs> right. That's only fifteen percent. That's not that. That's the administrative cost. He spends that on books. You know. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. It's nothing. The kid's just going to have to get the fourth edition instead of the fifth for his class. He'll be fine. <laughs> Dude, that I know I did want to ask you about that moral conundrum too because it it it's almost like it it's to me so extremely hyper competitive because it's not just a win-loss. It's a win-loss with super cal- like I, I don't just beat you by a a dollar. Like in a basketball game, I can beat you by one point. Close game, good game, bro. It seems like in poker, when you get beat, you're like fucking done. You're busted. It, it's demoralizing to beat someone and make them feel completely empty. They literally walk away empty, zero sometimes. But like you say, that's what where bankroll management comes into control. Like you shouldn't be playing at a state where it is going to affect you. Oh, see, I'm just, oh yeah. So like 30, all right. So how much should 37.5 guy have gone to the table with? If his bankroll is thirty-seven-five, what should he be going out with a night? So he should have been playing like a thousand dollars then. That low. I mean, that wow. Would, he pro he could play like maybe two thousand, but yeah, like especially that it was his twin. You want to have when you go to the casino, you want to have like three times your buy-in right on you. So he should have brought. He should have probably bought brought three thousand with him that night. Bought in for a thousand. And then leave if he lost the entire 3000 like if he wasn't playing well. And that's not too much of a hit to his bankroll, right? He can come back the next day. He can go back for the next month if he keeps on losing. Okay. So you're looking at three grand. That would be at a 37.5, what, like 8%, 9%? Huh. And then why do you do three times? So why do you hold in your pocket three times what your buy-in is? 
I always want to have the opportunity to rebuy if I bust because you're just so fucking competitive. <laughs> it's it's more that most of the time, like poker is a game of luck. So, and uh, that's what's very different about cash game poker and tournament poker in the way we play because we play so many hands long term in cash that if I have a one percent or two percent edge, I'm supposed to take it. Oh, so really? Like I have, yeah, I that's have like slim. Wow. Fifty two percent compared to your forty eight percent. So I'm often going to lose there but long term it makes sense to push we call it pushing the edges so take advantage of all those times so therefore if i'm taking that spot i need to be able to reload so that next time i'm in that spot i can take it again because you're just going with law of averages like if i lost last time and it was just shit luck then next time it'll probably be my luck because that's what averages do yeah as long as you're in the same spot with the same right percentages yeah got you God, I still don't know how you would turn your mind. When I asked you earlier about turning your mind off, I just mean at night. Like if if you're sitting there thinking this way all day, it's got to be so hard to just kind of like zone out and not just overanalyze everything. Yeah, and definitely if you're in, you made a bad play specifically. Like some people, it's when they get unlucky that their minds don't stop and they get upset for me. It's when I play badly then I'm definitely going to be going at home thinking about it. But my rule is, and poker is very mental. There's so much of a mental aspect to it. So when I'm in the game at the time, I always tell myself, okay, so we're going to think about that later. Like right now we're just going to move on. Cause I don't want to be dwelling on a mistake I made and not be able to play my best game. Right. To analyze so, it. So, yeah. So then, then I go home and like, I figure out the actual odds, see what I could have done differently. And that's the, and then once I've done that, like there's, there's nothing I can do. It was in the past. Right. So I just have to move on. All I can do is learn from it for the future. No, dude, I was referring to like, when you go grocery shopping, like picking the line to go in, I'm like, I'm sitting there thinking about you calculating the odds of like, what's the value pack of meat worth with the expiration date compared to my cooking home time and freezer square footage. (laughs) Or I've it, seen some pretty good memes about that too. <laughs> <laughs> like that that's kind of what I was thinking, like shutting it off and just being able to like watch a soap opera for lack of a better term, you know, like, yeah, God, man, playing badly. I don't, how do you, do you get to stop yourself from um, being hyper competitive? Like, is it easy for you to just be like a numbers person and kind of try to remove the emotion? I, yeah, I don't know if it was easy, but it's definitely important. And it's something that I am always working on. Um, And like I said, for cash games, it is long-term. So that's really easy to just tell yourself that, okay, long-term, I made the right play. It's going to work out in a tournament environment. You might only be in that spot once in your lifetime because it's just so hard to get there. Like the main event only happens once a year. And like I said, no woman's ever made it to the, so I know the girl that came 10th and I'm sure to her, she's going to be constantly still thinking about that, that tournament. Right. Yeah. Do you, um, so when you're televised, do you actually watch yourself back? And watch these things as like a, a scouting report and a reflection to improve? 
really to watch my opponents because mm. like I know what went through my head and what I did but I want to know what because because normally when you're in the situation you only have half the information but on the TV you get to see a hundred percent of the information so I'm more looking to see okay right. was was I correct in that spot and stuff like that man that's that's so what and it, this doesn't have to be a um an insulting question though I, I feel like it may be um how much money was enough for you to be like I'm a professional poker player. Yeah, that, it was never my goal. <laughs> like other people, I know a lot of kids that like they saw rounders and that was the turning point for them. That was their, they wanted to be a professional poker player. Me, my brother jokes that I basically, I basically went to school for it because I was like a math and statistics major. It's like, you, you have a degree in professional gambling, basically. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I was actually a yoga teacher and I was studying yoga in India. And my session ended at like 9.30 a.m. and I had nothing to do all day. And I started playing poker at night against other backpackers. Huh. And at that point, I didn't know much about the game at all, but um, I was quickly able to figure out like just how to make like $100 a night. And really? that was huge in India. And, and you were making so, 100 just because you knew when to go in and when people were wrong? Yeah, I obviously figured out something that was allowing me to always be profitable in that game and i wasn't good or anything but i figured out something some way of beating these 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 players just for that amount of money and then i came back to canada after my trip was over and i became a dealer so there i learned the game from that edge and then continued yoga and then eventually i was traveling for poker um to other locations and i just couldn't do everything so i had to make a choice yeah. And you just like, Hey man, I'm making enough money playing poker to pay my rent in my apartment to get me on flights. I can eat out. So I'm all in like, yeah, exactly. that? Oh my gosh. So, and I got to ask, cause I'm picturing you as an athletic white female blonde yoga teacher playing backpackers in India. And I'm wondering how much do you use being a female around all the men like it's almost like you're going to be the center of attention if you want it do you use that like the mental aspect of that to try to mess with people or at least you did maybe back then was that part of the winning strategy yeah and you you shouted out a documentary i was recently in a documentary called poker queens which you guys can watch on amazon prime oh no way yeah and we talk it's about it's about female professional poker players and we Something I learned from doing the documentary is even though we're all female, people had very different experiences. And because I started out so young and I look a certain way, I was treated very differently than a lot of other women that play that say were maybe older or like not athletic and overweight and things like that. I always thought that being a female was a huge advantage. And I think it has been for me. But apparently that's not the case for everyone. Yeah, because, and now I'm thinking of those percentages, man. Like every table you go to, these dudes are sitting there for hours. And then all of a sudden here, and how tall are you? 
because you seem pretty tall. <laughs> no, no, I'm five five. Okay, so average height. So yeah. a- average height female with long blonde hair, thanks to her sponsorship, she can't get it cut. <laughs> she sits down at the table, and man, if you got any sort of like, if you want to put on any sort of like wit charm, I'm sure you could have a lot of these dudes who are statistical, stereotypical, like living mom basement types eating out the palm of your hand if you wanted. Was that too many yeah. generalizations on my part? Was I too slanderous to the guys sitting at poker tables playing all night? No, and I've obviously had these conversations before. And one, I remember one guy saying once that, oh, none of the pros ever fall for that. But it's actually not true. If you're... I remember like one of the best players in the world was mentioning that his friend's wife was at the table and for some reason he was showing her his cards like after the hand was over oh wow but that's giving her information and he's like i don't know why i fell for it like i don't know why i was being extra friendly to her right yeah no well there's that i mean there is that natural chemistry and attraction right like like it's weird the the how flirtations can impact and it's almost like espionage (laughs) right like you're you're using it's the typical like female spy that uses their looks to gain an advantage in an informational way yeah and i do think that you nailed it on the head when you're like you just stand out and that's something that i just had to realize like people the disadvantage would be people always remember me like I walk into the casino and people come up to me and tell me hands we played five years ago. So I stand out. I'm not the type of spy that can be undercover. <laughs> Whereas some of these guys, yes. they go unnoticed. And that's what the most interesting part of this documentary is, is one of, it started out as this woman was going to go undercover as a man and play the world series of poker. Oh, Great. But then they didn't let her and everything. But I thought that was that's the most interesting part to me is her talking about how she was basically invisible as a man. And she thought that was a huge advantage. So the purpose of doing that is just people would not remember as easily her tendencies. Yeah, like she felt like that she feels that players play her differently. Like they try to beat her. They don't want to lose to a woman. Oh, so tend to be more aggressive, more honed in. Yeah, exactly. Like definitely more aggressive for sure. Like they do not want to lose to a woman. <laughs> gotcha. Does, has it ever gotten like where you're actually physically fearful? Like you think some dude's going to come across this table if you take his three, three grand or something like that. I, for that reason, only play in casinos. Like there are more, probably profitable locations to play like home games and stuff. But as a female, I just don't do that because I don't feel safe and I feel very safe in the casino. Gotcha. Yeah. You just don't have, so really you're at the point in your professional career where you need to choose between getting a bodyguard on payroll or like a really good ex Hollywood makeup artist to turn you into a man. (laughs) <laughs> and that's exactly what she did. She got a Hollywood makeup artist. <laughs> right? So that's why it's so interesting watching her do Dude, that. How geeked were you to be on a fucking Amazon documentary? Like that, that, that to me is, I had no idea you were on that. That's, I'm, I'm a fanboy. 
already. Like that, that, that's I, yeah, done something I probably to me. haven't done a very good job of promoting it either. <laughs> but it is the list of females. If you know anything about any of the female poker players, the casts, it is everyone that you'd want to see. The cast is pretty amazing. Yeah. No, but like Jennifer Tilly's on it, by the way, because she's like a, an actress, right? So people yeah. know her. And she, she won a World Series of Poker bracelet for a ladies event. Wait, so there's a separate ladies event for World Series of Poker? Yeah, the actual World Series of Poker is like a month and a half long, and it has a bunch of different events. But the main event is the big one, and that's the $10,000 buy-in one where they get 8,000 entrants. Oh, and then there's and no, no like... woman's ever cast, or no woman's ever final table. Got you. And then, so then they do almost like little subcategories of that. Kind of a little bit of breathing. Not sure. Sound like you're whispering? Are you being kidnapped? Is this a scene from Taken? Maybe I'll try giving you a call back. Sorry, it went to my Bluetooth somewhere. <laughs> oh, right. <laughs> so you could just... Yeah, I couldn't hear you at all. I wasn't sure if you could hear me. No, I couldn't. It went... Yeah, it's only... I didn't know what the problem was, and then I realized it said it's going to your AirPods somewhere. <laughs> Got you. Yeah, I kind of made this joke like you were an extra on Taken, and I was like, "Do you oh. need help? Scream out a description." <laughs> uh, that's a good series. I like those movies. <laughs> yeah, the, it was amazing how Liam Nielsen at like, I think he was like sixty something at the time, is still just fucking kicking ass, man. Three deep. Clearing I'm out. obsessed with him for that reason that he became an action star because like that wasn't his thing before. No, it completely <laughs> wasn't, dude. Like you're on no. the Hobbit, and now all of a sudden you're just clearing out homes of Romanians. Yeah, I love it, dude. It's it, it's great. Did you get to see um what was the movie Cold uh Cold Pursuit where he was like the um the uh, snowplow guy? I've definitely seen it, but I don't know if I remember much about it. It's so it's so unrememberable. But uh, at the yeah. same time, it's just him being him to the extreme without any like real caution, like like without <laughs> any real like reality of whatever. He he no. takes a dude with a gun that's like 28 and the guy's just like, get out of here, grandpa. And he just be literally beats him to death and then drags his corpse across the parking lot. And like no, no one can figure this out, right? Like no one can figure out it's him or where he goes. It's it's well, maybe so, I haven't seen it. Oh, dude, no, it, you you would see it like late night and then fall asleep and be like, God, what was I watching last night? Yeah. It's just one of those that, um, it takes no thought to actually do anything with. Yeah. Um, so before, but before you got dropped, you were telling me about Jennifer Tilly and, a like a female tournament within the world series of poker. Yeah. So she won the ladies event. So they have a seniors event and they have a ladies event and those are the only, Un, like the unopened events like but it's that's always a debate so legally they can't do that they can't say only women can enter this tournament oh really so what they do is they make a discount if you're a woman so it's a ten thousand dollar entry and then a thousand for females oh so it's just so unprofitable for the guys yeah, but every year there's like a guy and he always gets booed. <laughs> <laughs> now, what if he dressed like a drag queen? Would he still get booed? Maybe he wouldn't get booed as much. But <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. I don't. I, that's a good question. I don't think the lady should boo him then. 
<laughs> man, dude, that's what a sneaky way to get around that. That's kind of awesome. Yeah, that's a Nevada law. Like some, I know we've had that discussion in Australia in their tournament series. Like they can't offer a ladies' event at all. Like there's no way around it. And I asked them about that. No, you can't. You can't give discounts based on gender. <laughs> right. Well, no. Yeah. I mean, it just it really does. It, it's the whole like reverse discrimination thing that you kind of try to fight for. Like you're fighting for equality. And to say, I can, I'm as good as you, right? And then all of a sudden it's like, hey, you're not. And legally we're going to say you're not. And it's okay that they say you're not. Like, yeah. so you kind of get the counter argument. Um, but I'm interested, like, why Why did they have to do the ladies event? Just because no ladies were winning the main event? You know, for me, and I don't play ladies events, but I understand them as a, that since it's 3%, a lot of pe women just aren't comfortable playing at a table but the ladies events are so much different because <laughs> i was playing i was actually playing a ladies only event online when this was years ago and my dad said to me like how do you know you're playing women like it's online right and i said look at the chat box <laughs> and they're chatting the entire time like they're talking about one woman was asking well do you think i should get to back together with my my ex he's like my baby daddy but <laughs> And then the women are, this is the conversation online at the table. And that just doesn't happen in men's tournaments, right? Gotcha. So it's this more like the social aspect of it, the relationship. Yeah. And that's a lot of women play for the social aspect. And right now the way poker is that it's, there's so many men and so few women. If we want to broaden the audience, we have to figure out a way of welcoming females into the game. And something that's something that ladies tournaments can do. Got you. Is it hard for you? Like, are, are you just, lack of a better term, um, hopefully it's not like anti-woke, to call you a tomboy? Where you're just like comfortable being competitive and you're not sitting down looking to like, I really hope I bond with the person to my left and I get some friendship out of this. I don't think I'm a tomboy, but someone mentioned that what really makes them uncomfortable playing at a regular table with men is the they're not interested in any of the conversation oh. and I was like oh yeah like I can kind of get that because I don't watch sports and that's like most of the discussion is about sports betting when you're at a poker table got you so you get you almost feel excluded because it's not like that sense of community within whatever they're talking about and I can see her feeling that way I don't like I don't feel like you need to include me in the conversation just because I'm there. And I can normally find something at some point that we have in common. Like we love poker. So there's going to be something that we have in common. And so for the most part, that has never bothered me. But it, it was interesting to me that that was her reasoning for why she didn't like playing. Yeah, I hadn't considered that. I considered the male behavior, but I hadn't considered just like being around people for multiple hours, not being involved in whatever they're talking about because you have no idea, like you have no interest in those topics. Like that would be like very off-putting. Yeah. I don't know. Like for me, it's just, that's fine. And you know what? I honestly, I would love to learn sports betting <laughs> and I probably could just like ask questions at the table. Cause I think it's very interesting that these guys make a living off of that. But Man, I haven't figured it out. <laughs> yeah, dude, if you can figure out poker, I feel like sports betting is way easier as a complete novice and someone who does not make any money on sports betting or stocks or poker. I would say you, if you're if you're a career 
poker player, you'd be great at sports betting. Yeah, I wonder. I don't even understand how they make money, honestly. Like that, because that has a house advantage, right? Because yeah, I the mean, house takes money off of that. Yeah, I think. Yeah, ba- I think it's on the premise is basically if you if you have a good chance of winning, if you take the favorite, you bet a hundred, you're going to make ninety, right? So it's a pretty. But doesn't good, the, don't those odds change or something based they, on a bunch of stuff? Hundred percent, a bunch of variables, home court, the uh, players being injured. Um, but then and doesn't ha- it change with how much people bet on it too? Like, don't, don't if more people take the favorite, then doesn't the odds alternate? It can. Make it worse. It can. Um, I believe yes, it can, unless the house is happy that more people are taking the favorite. Oh. Right. Like if that initial line was set to intrigue, and then all of a sudden they shift it. Um, but something that's cool about sports betting is parlays. Are you familiar with parlays? I just know the word of like making it to the next, but no. Oh, I don't. so and again, I could be completely wrong, but so I'm in Delaware, and Delaware legalized sports betting, but you have to go to a casino to place an individual bet. However, if you bet on three games or more, they classified it as a lottery because now it's a game of chance, not a game of skill. Oh. So if you combine three games into one, it it you can your odds can increase like crazy by hitting them. So like whatever, 10 bucks can get you a hundred. So it's 10 to one could be 12 to one. Um, you, you could bet six different games and get a hundred to one odds kind of a thing. But now you're accounting for all these different variables, you know? Yeah. But people will play all sorts of different tickets and they'll have their own systems of like, if I bet nine different parlays and hit one, I still clear 30%. Yeah. People would figure all that stuff out. Yeah, dude. Yeah, I mean, dude. It's some on a. It, it's sometimes it can be eerie if you go to the casino in Delaware. So college football kicks off at like twelve, at eleven thirty, eleven forty five. Now you're at eleven fifty five. People start itching. They're twitching. They're getting agitated because they don't think they're gonna get their bets in for the entire day. Because if you don't get your bet in on kickoff, then you you lose all those games. And like right. it, it, okay. dude, it, it messes with them, man. Like they, um, it, it's a, it can get very aggressive, <laughs> very <laughs> aggro. And you don't see women in there betting the sports either. That that's the interesting part. Now that I'm talking to you, you don't see females in there in line betting. They might go with their boyfriends or husbands, yeah. But they're not like they're not filling out cards. They're not trying to win money that way. Yeah, I wonder what the numbers are. I bet it probably is even less than poker. Oh yeah, I bet. I, I would hundred. I. I would 100% say it's less than 3%. <laughs> wow. Yeah. And so I wanted to ask you, though, because I thought this was an interesting ethical dilemma. If you're going to decide between taking a sucker's money and using your looks or female traits <laughs> to get an advantage, which one are you more opposed to? Which one makes you feel more icky? Um, well, using my looks isn't my thing. That's actually a very Jennifer Tilly thing. In fact, she like says that at the poker table, she wears like a really low cut shirt and stuff. Uh huh. And in real life, she just like is always in sweats and t-shirts. She's like, I, I dress up to go to the poker table. Oh, okay. But I think like she's a trained actress. She's no, she has, she knows how to be like sexy. I don't think it's something that I know how to do. <laughs> <laughs> I would probably just be awkward. <laughs> <laughs> like 
like they'd look like, why do you keep licking your lips? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Are, do you need <laughs> chapstick? Like, what am I doing it wrong? What's going on? <laughs> you're constantly like coughing to get people to notice like some cleavage that you're happy about. Yeah, her... <laughs> exactly. That's what I'd be doing. She'd be so classy and I, everyone would be staring. What's wrong with that person? Are you sick? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. That's hilarious. So just because you don't feel comfortable using it, you're going to go with that one. I don't know. Yeah, like, but I don't think I have a problem with it. I don't think that's that unethical or anything. Oh, really? Okay. So it's more really like taking the sucker's money can kind of mess with you a little more. Yeah, like it depends where the money came. That's the thing. Like, is this this guy's tuition or like does he need this for his rent and stuff? And that that's tough. But he just got laid they, off. They, they always say like if you don't take it, someone else will. And, yeah, I, at least I feel a little bad about it. <laughs> <laughs> at least you feel, but you'll still take it. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, I got to know about this pivot, um, India yoga to poker. Because I, from the people I've spoken to, the, the yoga scene, if you're traveling to India to learn yoga, I'm assuming there's like a super spiritual aspect to it for you. Or was it more just like that was the best schooling for yoga? I had to get to the best. Yeah, I studied Ashtanga, which is probably like one of the least spiritual ones. It's very athletic. It was actually developed for like 13-year-old boys. Really? Uh, yeah, it's very it's very athletic versus a lot of other forms of yoga. And so I went to Mysore and the creator of this form of yoga, Patabi Joyce, he was my instructor. So it was, and he's since passed away. So I'm very glad that I went on the trip, even though I was young and very stupid and some of the stuff that I did looking back I was like oh my gosh that was so dangerous but as in well like now I'm I'm almost the opposite like I'm too cautious of people and I expect them to everyone's trying to take advantage of me or something but one thing I mean when I just got there I didn't have a plan of where to stay or anything this is a young blonde girl traveling alone in India Wow. And I I met this random guy on the train. He's like, oh, I can give you a ride on the back of my scooter. I'm like, okay. <sighs> like now I realize like that's stupid. You don't just go, you don't, that's how you get taken, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And Liam Nielsen, it must be your father to give you that kind of confidence. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Wait, and like, so how common was the language there? Or do you know whatever the native dialect is? No, English is their one of their main languages so like all oh, really? of the yeah so they have tons of other official languages and each region has their own language that's but what i thought all their politics and stuff are done in english got you i guess that would make sense the british yeah. and whatnot yeah because they were colonized by the british right yeah um yeah you man god just uh, as a side note i just you just forget how evasive the english language is because of colonization you know, Africa, India, things like that. I mean, it's, it's fucking amazing. And languages are my like worst thing. The thing I really bad at. So I, I feel very fortunate that my first language was English because otherwise you have to get around the world with English as your second language. Cause so many countries, like that's the one country you can, one language you can kind of communicate in. We are very fortunate to, as that, like to be, grow up to be Americans. Honestly, you tend to get with the, with the value of the money, 
with the culture that America is kind of known for, it seems like you can go places and be a little more, I guess everywhere but France from what I hear. <laughs> you can get kind of accepted and people are okay with you as an American. Um, hopefully that doesn't get ruined with four more years of Trump because I feel yeah. like everyone's going to close the border <laughs> if that happens. We, it, he, he may do ir, irreversible damage to America's reputation. <laughs> For travelers. But I don't know if it'll be irreversible, though, because Americans have had bad reps in the past, and then it changed. And so, like, I remember when I was young traveling, even Americans, they would all put a Canadian flag on their backpacks. Well, yeah, you guys have the best reputation, man, right? Like, you go somewhere and everyone's like... Americans, so they put the Canadian flag on. but. (laughs) But nowadays, like, I don't... Like Obama days for sure, no one had to do that. Everyone. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely, man. It was um, it was it was iconic. Yeah. Dude, so you really rolled to India, and what year? How long ago was that? Um, probably ten or eleven years ago. Okay, yeah. So I'm, I was wondering how close to the internet, Airbnb. Were you just thinking hostel at that point? Like yeah, you're just I stayed gonna, in hostels. Yeah, right? Like that was kind of that that whole, despite the movie, that was like the trend. Yeah, yeah. I don't, yeah, I don't think Airbnb was around. No, I don't. Was I definitely didn't have a cell phone. Right? Like I didn't, I didn't bring, I bought one when I was in China, but it wasn't, uh, it, it was just like for texting and stuff. Holy shit, dude, you made it all the way to China as well? Yeah, I went to... India. I went to China right after India. I was in India for like six months. And then I was actually volunteering at a Tibetan refugee camp. Oh, oh my God. Teaching them English. And then, um, so like I had just heard the most horrible story about the Chinese and I didn't want to go there. And then I was, this actually, my friend was going, she was teaching in China and I'm like, let's go meet in Korea, South Korea. But she was actually traveling on a U.S. passport, and they wouldn't let her fly, even fly over North Korea. Wow. So she couldn't get to South Korea, and that was like 12 years, 10, 12 years ago. And so then she's like, meet me in Shanghai. I went to Shanghai and absolutely fell in love with it. Why? It's kind of like living in a big city like New York, only everything is affordable. So you have these incredible concerts that you can go to. But now it's only like twenty dollars. Ah. You have incredible restaurants, but as a Canadian, I can afford to go to all the really nice restaurants. Mm. You, you're going to Shanghai concerts and enjoying what kind of music? <laughs> I like all the famous American bands, right? Like all. Oh it, shit! Like on a global tour. Exactly. Oh my god! I didn't know that. So then the ticket prices have to get dropped for them to fill those stadiums, huh? Yeah, for the local prices, yeah. Oh, wow. Insider tip. No idea. Yeah, yeah, I love Shanghai. In fact, I would go back. Um, You can't play poker there. Like, that's the negative. I go to, I used to go to Macau a lot because they have poker in Macau, which is across from Hong Kong. But right now, the casinos are shut down. The casinos are open, but the poker rooms are all shut down. And I don't know if they're going to even open poker back up. How, so I, I guess two things. Who do you see on your global tour? Like, who's your music taste? I'm trying to remember, but that was so long ago. And it was like, we went every weekend. 
you know? <laughs> so, like, just, anyone that was traveling in that time, I probably saw them. It was just so regular for you. Yeah, because it was something that we could afford. And you couldn't do that in New York City, right? Yeah, no doubt. Man, Blink-182, I'm just going to throw it out there. I'm, I'm pretty sure yes. <laughs> and I know you're not supposed to be a fan of them, but I'm still a fan. <laughs> Dude, how do you keep all this travel stuff straight, man? Like, do you just have a full wall that's a, like a global map that you're like, um, you're, you're like a nomadic hunter. You're like the Comanches chasing buffalo across the plains. You're just finding these poker things. Is it seasonal? Um, I It is seasonal, but I do choose places that I actually want to go to. Like, we got to go. I was very fortunate. They invited me to come to South Africa, so they... Um, they paid for like my tournaments and then gave myself and my partner a safari and everything. And that was, I'm so happy I did that like pre COVID because who knows when's the next opportunity to do that is. Wait, what continent have you not been to? Antarctica. And I really want to go. That's it. God. Poker with penguins. Like what would, I, that, what would be the penguin be picture, right? What would be the penguin yeah. selfie? <laughs> I, that, I, on my Twitch homepage, that's what it actually says. It says, I played poker on every continent except Antarctica, and that is a goal. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. What's stopping you from setting up a tournament there? How come you don't want to take the lead of that? I, I'm trying to figure out how that would work. Um, yeah, I think like what we would have to do is charter a boat and Antarctica is very expensive as is like, it's quite an expensive destination. So then we'd have, I think it would have to be like all high rollers and I'd have them find these people that are also interested in going to Antarctica. <laughs> Just to say, right. Like it's only, I picture like the RVs that I see where they have the stickers that cover every state that the RV has been in. Yeah. So like you, it would totally be a pride thing where you just want to be like, I've played poker on all every land mass on in the world. Yeah, and my I have a co-host on my one of my Twitch streams, and she collects flags, but we call, call them Hendon Mob flags because Hendon Mob is where they display all the tournaments you cashed in. So she collects flags from around the world, but she has to actually have made money in the tournament. So that's her oh, goal everywhere she goes. Standards. I like it. Yeah. yeah. That's kind of neat. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Dude, I, I do. I so like the idea. Again, now we're getting back to the movie Maverick where you're on the riverboat because it's safe. See, maybe yeah. Maverick is underrated now. Maybe it's actually I, yeah, just very practical. Maybe it's very practical. <laughs> I don't think it's that bad. I think it's corny. I haven't seen it for years, but I think it was like corny in times. But oh, dude, it's, it's beyond bad. corny. The The yeah. Native American scenes when they like just start like taking advantage of both sides and the Russian hunter. I mean, like it's... It's so well done, but it's so over the top corny. Um, that's oh, probably yeah. why it appealed to like an 11 year old, you know? <laughs> yeah. I think that's so cute that that was your favorite movie. Though, it, who would have thought? <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not saying it was my favorite, to be clear. Um, <laughs> I don't know. That might have been something that, with that's Care Bears. That's why people thought you were a dork. <laughs> no, I, I'm almost positive I thought Mel Gibson was wicked cool, and I did not mind <laughs> trying to quote those lines. And it was definitely something that if it was on, I would be stopping and watching because you can pick it up like anywhere, like anywhere within the movie. It's almost like watching an episode of Friends 
where like no matter where it is, you'll be you don't need to know the backstory to understand what's happening now. Yeah. And you're gonna have good action, the scenes are gonna be good. Um you got the cowboy aspect, the the father son thing, the twist, spoiler alert. And like, I mean, it's just it, it, you know what I'm gonna say it. It's underrated. It's underrated. It's the number two <laughs> poker movie. I'm just gonna put it out there. It's the number two poker movie. I can't think of a number two poker movie other than that. I mean, I think that's fair to say. Oh, you know what? I like Molly's game pretty much. Oh. Have you seen it yet? I, I've only watched it once. And yeah, I only watched it once. <laughs> right? So maybe that's why it's not second for me. Um, but I feel, I feel like I just left it. it. To me, it didn't focus so much on the poker aspect, but more the woman making a way and taking advantage of the poker world. Yeah, that's a hundred percent true. More so than like poker driving the plot where rounders yeah. poker drives the plot. Maverick poker drives the plot. For sure. In fact, there's a scene in um, Molly's game that as poker players that we cringe at, like it makes absolutely no sense. Really? And they had a poker player there advising and like, he's full outside. He's like, I told them this doesn't make sense, but uh. they said, the director said that's the way he wanted it anyways. <laughs> what was the thing that didn't make sense? So the next time I watch it, I can make a comment to someone and sound super intelligent. <laughs> I, I think it's full house over full house. And then he makes the fold or something. Um, whatever it is, the action, like when we were earlier talking about cheating, how you can tell if someone's cheating, whether it's a bot or whether they can see someone else's cards uh -huh. is because we understand the game so well that we know when a play doesn't make sense and this play did not make sense whether he said it was two huge hands i remember that like it was either kings against aces or something like that and the guy makes the fold correctly on the screen but absolutely makes zero sense in real life oh so the next time I watch Molly's game and the people I'm watching it with will probably have no idea either. I'm like, man, you never go full house over full house with that kind of bet. You'd well, never fold there. You'd, you'd never, never fold there. You like, never that's fold. That's just so terrible. That's it. That's my go-to line, huh? Yeah. Nice. I'm gonna get some street cred with that. Yeah. But then if they're like, why? What are you going to say? Yeah, exactly. Or actually the real question would be like, dude, why are we watching Molly's game? <laughs> 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 why is why was this the movie of the night and i'll be like you know what 38 minutes in you're gonna fucking find out why uh, yeah. you're gonna get some insight <laughs> just say and when you do just say the line doesn't make sense the line that's where you're going so the, the line doesn't make sense and yeah how can they argue with that because it's true right it's just oh my god why would you fall so stupid yeah <laughs> dude that's awesome i hadn't thought about that either like so there are like can you make a career being a pol poker consultant I don't movies? know, but I want to be. <laughs> right? yeah, you sound like you'd be really good at that. You sound like you would fit in. You could be on set, personable, talking to people, traveling around. Yeah, and that would be the only thing, though, if they didn't listen to me, it would bother me. I've had one position here in Vancouver, because a lot of films are f filmed here, and um, they had asked me about Blackjack. And the same thing, like, they set up these hands, and then they had the player hit and they like hit on an 18, which yeah, do you, just, 
ever, which doesn't happen. <laughs> yeah, I was going to do so with COVID. I have a 10 year old daughter. And for math, I started playing blackjack with her. Oh, nice. Just I love to, it. Just to like get an understanding of rules and strategy. And then we'll bet like candy, you know? Um, awesome. And I, I mean, like that's something she fucking picked up on real quick. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> she and was the, like, the same thing. The director's just like, no, I want them to hit and bust. Okay, well, like set up the hand so that it makes sense. But no, that's. Yeah. So yeah, that's the part I I think you just have to kind of be like, okay, well, I've done my position. Yeah. But then you get like passed around or people talk and then they see it and it's like, well, Jillian was a consultant on that movie and they're taking hits on 18. (laughs) Why would we hire her? (laughs) (laughs) She's a hack. (laughs) But that has to happen with all careers, right? I always wonder that because I, when the, the thing that I notice a lot of the time in movies is money. Because we deal a lot with stacks of money. So when they're like, this is 20 grand. And I'm like, no, it's not. <laughs> like that bothers me. That's a great point. The whole rubber band thing where they just yeah. like this, the briefcase of money. Yeah, exactly. The briefcase in particular, it's never even close. Yeah. Um, but I wonder about that with other people's jobs. I'm sure they pick out things like that in movies. Yeah, right. That is true. The Whatever you do, you're just so cynical about when it's portrayed for dramatic yeah. effect. Can dude, and I should have asked this because it, it six months in India and it, it's a weird pivot, but like I, I wrote it down because how assimilated do you get somewhere? I, I feel like you're all in six months in India. I think I got more negative <laughs> and probably I went in as this young person that didn't have any stereotypes or anything, and I think I came out the other side of it because I traveled alone from my experience I think it would have been so much different traveling with a male or a partner because women just don't have they have a different role in India Uh. and it's something I had to get used to Um, for example one thing the guys would do is just like drive down the street in their mopeds and then they'd see me and they would grab my boobs shut the fuck up yeah and that's like completely not acceptable in north america you just can't do that but that was something they did so i asked this indian woman like what do i do about this you put a stick you put a stick in the spoke you get like a lead pipe and when they start pulling up on you around all the time how many lead pipes would i need for one walk You're just pulling them out of a backpack like arrows. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, sorry, what did she say? Oh my gosh, that that is she, terrible. She said kind of what you said. She's like, oh, just carry rocks around and throw rocks at them. <laughs> I'm like, I'm not going to throw a rock at another human being. Like, I would never even do that to an animal, never mind a human. So, But by the end of the trip, well, my parents came to visit me once and I'm like taking them around and I'm on the scooter and I'm on the scooter and a guy gets back on the back of the scooter and grabs me. I dropped the scooter and I just pounded him in the head. Nice. <laughs> so this is like my progression from being this little girl that's like, I'm not going to do anything. Like, what can I do to then? I'm just like turning around and hitting people. So, and just cause it seems like you enjoy movies. Um, I'm a little disappointed in you because if Jessica Rabbit taught us anything, it's the power of a well-placed booby trap. Oh my gosh. That, <laughs> you, I wish. Do you get the reference? Do you, do you Did you watch the Who Framed Roger Rabbit? 
I watched it, but so many years ago. Yeah, dude. Well, like, you know, she's the typical, like, whatever, the the hourglass lady. And yeah, she gets, like, felt up by another cartoon and literally has the booby trap. And then the dude. So what is the booby trap? I I can't remember. I remember the reaction and me as a kid being like, booby trap. That's why they call it a booby trap. But it's not oh. why they call it a booby trap, you know. But like you're just fixated on the boobs. It was probably like a like a mouse trap in there. Like the dude like puts his hand. He's frisking her for a gun, and yeah. he sticks his hand down her dress, and he comes out with like a huge mouse trap because he's a cartoon. Oh my god, that's so brilliant! And then, I love it. Yeah, Roger's like booby trap, <laughs> you know. <'cause> he was... <laughs> I love it. That's amazing. But dude, that would have been. How cool would it have been to put like two mouse traps on like a bra or something? Yeah. Right. You and know just, for sure I would get myself somehow every day. <laughs> just strapping it on and then you're like, fuck. Yeah. Again. <laughs> oh my dude, that's, yeah, that's a great point. Like they the, the women there are the, the culture. So now you're taking these people's money. Like that wasn't risky for you at all in any way? No, I was taking like other tourists' money in India. Oh, okay. That was the backpackers then. So it wasn't exactly, yeah, exactly. the Indians that were playing. Or the people no. of India. I don't want to. I don't know if it's right to call them Indians. Yeah. Yeah, I guess it would be right to call them Indians, right? That's not yeah. derogatory. Okay. No. That's something. I was talking to one guy who was making a movie, and um, what did I say? I said the saying, "Call a spade a spade," and he was like, "Oh, you can't say that." I'm like, uh, "Why can you not say that?" And then he got into this whole thirty minute thing about like different things, like um, ring around. No, it wasn't ring around the rosy. Eeny, meeny, miny, mo, catch a tiger by the toe. It was like, you can't say that. Do you know the original context? And I'm like, yeah, I, I, knew, I, I knew that don't. one, but I don't know spade a spade. Yeah. So apparently like derogatory term, uh, one, one black person is another black person. And I was like, I really just thought it meant like the appropriate garden tool. Like if you need a tool, ask for the tool that's specific. Yeah. Right. Like, like, but anyway, like ever since I do more of these things, I get recorded and speak to people. I've like really become more self-conscious about like, Holy shit! Is that a slip? Like, is that a woke slip? You know, Indian? Can can I call people of India Indians? <laughs> I'm like, I feel like you can, but I second guess it. And that's yeah, something that you always have to risk when you're creating content because sometimes it's most of the time. I know for me, if I say something inappropriate, it's ignorance. Like I didn't know. Yeah, that that's it was exactly. But. That's kind of what I've discovered about myself. It's like I'm I'm really not a. Though I'm a like a wretched capitalist, I found out, and I'm cutthroat more so than you as a professional poker player. Um, like I, I don't have ill intent. I just try to honestly just be clever with words and try to be a little poetic off the cuff or like say like snarky wordings. And I'm like, that can actually really get you uh, in some trouble, man. Like you 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 can't take liberties because um, it's insensitive, you know. Sometimes, yeah. But the yeah, intent's exactly. like never mean. Yeah, and I just hope people understand that, especially when you're like creating content live or for the internet, because there are always going to be people that find offense to something, and I hope they just understand that it wasn't meant that way. Yeah, have you had to go through that since you're extremely famous and on Amazon documentaries? Yeah, well, <laughs> only one of those statements was true, first of all. Uh, it's something that I stress about on Twitch, because especially with they have trolls on Twitch and I, I stream live and these trolls, they come around and that's their intention is to try to get you to say something inappropriate. 
Oh, like goad you into it. Exactly. Really? And the way that I got tricked once was um, I, I welcomed this person to the channel, like, oh, welcome to the channel. And he had made the word so that it sounds like the N-word. And then, <laughs> of course, he clips that segment. So there's me saying what sounds like phonetically he made it look like that. And I didn't even get the connection until after I, when I saw the clip that someone had clipped this. And then like, so, but that's, that's God talk about it. Like, what are you doing with your time in your life, man? Like go oh, learn how to play poker. Why are you? No, they're complete losers. And it brings them so joy. And like the clip, I'm pretty sure he had like, ha- like laughing. Like this is, this was his goal, right? Like, he accomplished what he was trying to accomplish. That's, made, made him happy. Man, so like, and what do you do when you see that? Do you go to one of your burner accounts and just start lighting up his comments? <laughs> no, I didn't do anything about it. <laughs> How'd you find out about it? You get tagged and you just check it out? Yeah. I, I, like what's really, really great about Twitch. And like, I just recently started a new segment, like I said, with a co-host and she was very nervous about being live. She's like, well, what about the trolls? And I said, I have great mods and that's what they do. They don't get paid for this or anything, but they just are watching the comments and deleting anything appropriate and just trying to make the environment as safe as possible. And they're, and they're the only reason we could do any kind of live broadcast is because of them. You're going to have to mansplain that to me. A mod? Like there's like gatekeepers or like just people who are on there who enjoy your content and who like bodyguards, comment guards? Exactly. Moderators is the full term. But yeah, they are watching all the comments and just making sure everything's inappropriate. And then if something's not appropriate, they make sure to either delete the comment or give them a warning or time them out or explain them. Like they, they do that. They make sure that it's a great environment for everyone in the chat and they don't get is that provided by twitch or are those just people who follow you that feel empowered like deputies yeah and my dad asked me that too he's like well why do they do that like if they don't get paid or anything and i think one thing is they do like to have a little bit of power because they're, they have a special like sword next to their name <laughs> and most of the restrictions or anything don't apply to them like, oh. um, but like yeah, the, they get a little bit of power and, but I, like some channels, just because people know me in real life or know who I am, they've modded me and I'm so bad at it. <laughs> I always miss the comments and I'm oh. not fast enough. And so it actually takes a skill and I don't have that skill. No, you have many other skills that just does not happen to be. <laughs> That's not it. Man, do you have a preferred platform, like social media thing? Cause you going through your website I, I was amazed at like how much you seem to do. I probably don't do enough. Um, really? Yeah. Like, yeah. Like I, Twitch is fairly new to me and for it's tough because it's just such a time consuming thing. Like Twitch is all about how frequency. Okay. So the longer you're on there, the more successful you'll be. Cause like word people- gets out and more people log in. Yeah, and unlike YouTube where your video just stays up forever so people can discover you the next day, Twitch is live, so they have to actually be there watching you in the moment. Huh. 
Isn't that amazing that like the whole society is shifting to on demand and binging and then something like Twitch, which is you got to be here at this time live, like the, the ultimate zag to back what like shows used to be like you used to have to catch a show at a specific time if you wanted to see it. And then the, everything in entertainment went against that. And it's like coming back to that. And I think there is definitely going to be a future in Twitch for that type of market where shows want more interaction because that's what Twitch is about. Like you can ask someone broadcasting in real time and they probably will see your comments. If there's a lot of people, there's ways to make them, you can pay money and stuff to make them see your comment highlighted and things like that. And I'm excited for the future, that future of television where viewership gets to have more of an impact on what you're seeing on screen. Do, so do you ever, did you ever read the books where it was like, um, if you want the character to battle the alligator, turn to page 38. If you want the character to run away for his life, turn to page 42. Is that choose your adventures? Yeah. Do you remember those books? Yeah, I think I had like one book, but I definitely played like the computer version of that where oh. where you just it was the same thing but the computer changed. Gotcha. You, you just press the thing. Yeah. yeah, so you just weren't as cool as me cuz I had all of the books. Okay. So <laughs> <laughs> Those were Did the you only do all books. The different ones? Those were only the books that I was the only guy buying all of them from the book fair cuz they were all on discount and I was like telling the ladies to save them for me. No, I'm just oh, kidding. Awesome. That would be terrible. But like, wouldn't it be, it would be kind of neat if you were like in a show and like, as the characters are going, you kind of could chime in on like decisions or even like dialogue. Like what should a character respond to another character and like actually have an impact on the plot? That would be kind of neat. Well, when I was a kid, I never won anything. And the first raffle I ever won was a director's chair. Oh, and, and my mom, I'm like, well, I remember asking mom, well, what's a director's chair? And she's like, well, you, the director sits there, you sit there and then you get to tell all the actors and, um, actresses what to do. So what you're talking about is exactly what I thought I was getting. I thought I now got control of the television <laughs> to choose the plot and lines and everything. So can you imagine my disappointment when this like wood thing with some material showed up at the house? <laughs> what did you think so what was the object gonna be that you thought would actually give you control like it was gonna be like like a massage chair with all the buttons on the side i thought it would have a bunch of buttons you got to press (laughs) and a joystick to make the people move around (laughs) yeah exactly (laughs) dude that's hilarious i love children Please tell me you were like, please tell me you were like actually 17 when that happened. And no, you thought that. <laughs> I wasn't, but I think it was probably the last time I won something too. <laughs> the universe was like, she doesn't deserve to win based on the way she thinks. <laughs> yeah. And how disappointed she was the last time she won. Oh, uh, to this day, like I still remember that was the most disappointed I've ever been. God, that, dude, you've lived a really good life. <laughs> yeah that's true actually if that's that's the disappointment topic or the cap yeah what what are you are you and again i've honestly like and again this i guess is old man sean like i've i've not twitched if 
if that's how you would say it, not been on Twitch, not logged onto Twitch. Are you like playing poker on Twitch with people and then people are commenting? Is that like the gist of it or do you do something else on there? Stream something else? Yeah, I stream poker like that. And then I also do my new segment is just like poker news, but it's more of like the voice style where we're talking about discussing topics so that way the audience is also bringing up really good points on their ideas of what should happen and stuff but i definitely think you should look into it because the wonderful thing about the twitch platform is how easy it is to monetize huh so yeah because you once you get like 50 followers and so many hours streamed you become an affiliate and then you can um get subscriptions and subscriptions start at $5 a month and people subscribe and they can support you by giving bits, which is like their currency and also donations. And that's what I think Twitch has done a really great job is, is allowing content creators to get um, financially supported for their hard work. Jesus, you might've just changed my life. Cause yeah, like we've been on for whatever this, so then you like log into Twitch and we wound up, doing this on Twitch, I grab the audio and then you post the podcast later on and then you have multiple streams. It'd be that easy, huh? Yeah, and podcasts are a thing on Twitch now. I bet, dude. I bet because people, that that's one of the one things that um, a lot of the people that are the podcast providers like Bill Simmons or Joe Rogan, even Malcolm Gladwell, um, they, they talk about this where the one frustrating thing about podcasts for people is they often want to interject, but they can't. So then they go to the comments with like this, um, this angst that they can't get their point heard or added to the conversation, you know? And it's like, and it, it can become toxic because then they start battling and you wonder like, well, if that point could be addressed within the podcast itself, or even like me, like I'll listen to something and I'll be like, why didn't I ask? Or why didn't I bring up? Why didn't I go further onto whatever topic? And that'd be like an interesting little uh, twist to it. Yeah. And you have to think that there it does change the format in a bit in that uh, it's tougher to do interviews because everything does get sidetracked and things. But Yeah, it can and, and it can't though, right? So like, I mean, I guess it would be like ultimately like the host would still try to be in control. But I guess then you're trying to get the interaction because that's what makes people want to interact yeah some people and some people don't like some people just listen to it as any other podcast um i have i have regular viewers that the only thing they say is have a good night like when i'm ending my stream the whole the whole time they're just listening and and that's that's great but but um then i have other people like you experience where they get really upset if I don't see their comments and I didn't respond. And then sometimes I get messages. You ignored me. Um, no, I didn't ignore you. I honestly didn't see your, your comment. God, dude, that's in, man. Look at you. So not only do you play poker, but you also manage aspiring podcasters. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Thank you. Well, I know content creating and this type of stuff is just so much hard work. And so I do want People, because I before I did it, I didn't understand that as much. Yeah, man. Like I, I listened to a podcast for many years, and before I actually created content, I didn't do the extra subscribing. You know the the way that they the format they'd set up to 
get some extra revenue because I'm just like, oh, well, it's free. I, I don't need more episodes than this. But now I just want to support the content creators because it is gotcha. absolutely so much work. And I don't think people realize that. Yeah, no. Well, man, it is. Like whatever, we're at two hours now. It'll be easily an hour to an hour now. An hour to two hours for every podcast for me, editing, time stamping, making the headliners, you know, posting on whatever social, getting the word out there. It's, um, it is, man, it can be a grind and trying to monetize it, um, is a struggle. The best thing I've come up with is like cold emailing online businesses, asking them if they want to sponsor or advertise on my podcast. And I've been so fortunate for athletic greens to send me a very polite no, thank you, but we'll give you 20 samples of our product for free <laughs> and oh, a nice. shake bottle. <laughs> and I was like, winner, that's it. I've made it. I've made and it. even that, like just cold emailing is still work, right? Dude, it is. Cause, and it's like weird. You don't know how to like, I feel like a beggar, you know, like, yeah. like what's, what's the proper wording? How heavy do you go on stats? Right? Like what, what would someone want to hear? What are the key buzzwords to get someone's attention? You know? Have yeah. you have you messed with Patreon at all? No, I don't really know what it is. But don't you have don't people tell me that you have to have like a pretty good following before you start Patreon? Is that true or not? Um, so I did it, and then when I looked into it, I I kind of hated it because I felt like they took way too much money off the top. Mm -hmm. Um, so no, you do not have to. Basically, it would be like you have levels of subscription. So, like for instance, if you had a Patreon, you could say for a ten dollar a month subscription. On my Twitch, you will be able to choose what car or what what I do on a particular hand. Okay. So if I was a ten dollars subscriber, you were on Twitch and I logged in, you would be like, "All right, Sean, here's your chance. What should I do?" And I would type you a message, and then you would do what I say. And that's like the interaction I've earned for the ten bucks. Like a two dollars subscriber might get a whatever a voicemail or a um, a message of you saying happy birthday on their birthday or assigned ace of spades kind of a thing. So it's like different levels of access or promotion to you based on that, or they can just leave a straight donation. Yeah. And Twitch actually has all that built in. Yeah. Right. There's, so there's three levels. I don't know if you can, can you change your prices on Patreon? Yes. Patreon. Yeah. That's it, the only, I don't think you can do that on Twitch. Oh. It's fifth. It's five 99, 15 99 and 25.99. Gotcha. And then, and it's funny to divert to this kind of a thing, but I feel like sometimes people, I, I don't know, like, I think people listen, I've had a bunch of different podcast people on who, um, get interested in like, man, how do you actually turn your hobby and passion into something that can support the time you're investing in it? And I guess that's why I'm interested. But with Patreon, I remember reading and I forget the exact percentages, but it was like 3% off the top and then like another six, 7% on the back end, or it was like 20 cents for every dollar after a 3% fee. And you're like, so if someone gives me five bucks, I'm clearing like 320 of that all because yeah. you're giving me a link. I'm like, dude, that's kind of messed up. I'm not feeling yeah. that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so I kind of like, just, I was like, I created the account and then I was like, man, that just seems wrong. If someone wants to give me $5, I'd much rather figure out a better way to get that $5 than yeah. have Patreon take it just as a middleman. Yeah. So what is the advantage of Patreon? Like, why couldn't you just set up on your website, a PayPal? Yeah. Or your Venmo, address? right? Exactly. Exactly. Because I think it's like the reoccurring 
subscription. So like if you went on there, maybe it's like a set it and forget it type scheme. And like the key would be like a dollar. So for a dollar every month, you get a shout out on one podcast. So someone puts in their credit card, they're like, oh, fuck it, it's a dollar. And then they forget. And then you're just milking a dollar from this person for like life because they never really notice. I think yeah, but I wouldn't be surprised be... if you could set that up on PayPal, like a reoccurring invoice. Huh. You can't. Hadn't looked into it, to be honest with you. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. That's the same with Twitch. Like it is a subscription model. So they do just take it out as soon as they subscribe to you. Right. Um, but yeah, you're right. Like getting donations are always better because they don't take anything from the donations. Yeah. And that was my thought with the advertising, man. I just don't know how to find like, like what you were saying with the sponsor of someone, like it's odd to try to just cold call and say, Hey man, here's my audience. This is what I do. I can give you a 60 second read in the front of every podcast. Um, how much money is that worth to you? <laughs> right? Because it does seem like a lot of smaller businesses are still kind of, um, they, they don't know. I don't know if they completely understand the podcast scheme to, to be truthful, at least, at least in Delaware. Isn't there a formula for that though? Yeah. Yeah. If you Google it, it's yeah. like, I think it was like a thousand downloads is like worth 10 bucks per episode kind of a thing. Um, but I, I think it's also, um, values in the eye of the beholder. Yeah, for sure. Also. So I, I don't know if that's the exact right formula because I think people like Joe Rogan and Bill Simmons who get millions of downloads per episode can kind of skew the market for someone who could post something and actually has followers that maybe listen to what they do or yeah. they actually interact with and they have more sway with where Joe Rogan posts black coffee, black rifle coffee. And like that picture will get seen by like 126,000 people. But how many of them are Joe Rogan people? How many of them are now going with that coffee because of it? Right. Maybe the promo code would be the way to try to prove that. Yeah, that's probably like, it's not the best way because people often forget the promo codes, but I can't think of something better unless you can somehow tag them. Like we have in poker affiliate tags. So then if they use that, Address, if they go to that address at any time, I think it's cookies or something. I don't really know, but in that amount, in a certain amount of time, then it, it's automatically linked to you. Oh, so then you would get credit because they went there based on basically seeing it with you, or because you were you tagged it. Yeah, exactly. You linked how, it or something, dude. How much of this is you, and how much of this is you actually have like a team helping you to understand this? No, I don't have a team, but I've been in the business for a long time in terms of like sponsorships and all that stuff. And that's why it's so hard nowadays that, to find the right deal. I was talking to a friend yesterday and he was, so he's a poker streamer and he was saying he gets normally like an average of a hundred viewers, but then there's some people that get like 16,000 viewers and they, a company actually told him that his viewership has more of a direct link to their products Right. More, yeah. More people that, like, when he talks about a product, more people go than when the streamer that has sixteen thousand go. And like you say, like that's hard to find out when you're beginning. He only found out because they literally told him that. Yeah. Well, dude, that's something that kind of got me. Um, and it, it honestly, from what I understand, it's it's humans that are are like that's their factory worker type job over in like India, are to you buy follows. 
right? You can buy streams, you can buy views, you can buy follows. And I got caught up in that a little bit on this podcast where, um, I I got excited that like, Oh my God, you have 10,000 followers. You have, you have 20,000 followers. You're going to come on my pod. And like, you got four downloads and it was odd to me. And then people, you know, with my ignorance, they were like, well, do you look at like the interactions or like who the followers are just scroll through and kind of just see and click on a couple and just like randomly, right? Like be like, Oh, and you start clicking on them and they're completely fake, right? Like the follows are hundred percent fake. And then now that I've been posting more, I'll even get messages of like, Hey man, 10 bucks, do I can get you a thousand followers. (laughs) And you're like, I, but what would be the point of that? Right. Yeah. Like, other than p- tricking people like the earlier you. <laughs> exactly. Right. Like just keeping going with the Ponzi scheme and it yeah. seems, or like lying to a sponsor, like, dude, I have a thousand followers on Instagram. So when I post a thousand people will see your thing. And like, it, it's, it, it's a weird pitfall. Yeah. And I think the sites are getting pretty wise to that from my understanding. Cause I was reading on YouTube that, um, wait, reading, you have- reading on YouTube. Reading about YouTube, okay. I should say. <laughs> I was reading that if you have a bunch of subscribers but they don't watch your video, that negatively affects the algorithm. So ah. it's way worse to have a bunch of subscribers or like fake followers than it is to have a few that actually watch the content you put out. Yeah, because then you actually get the value of what you're doing. It's an accurate Well, it was even saying like YouTube thinks that you produce bad content if your own subscribers mm. don't want to watch it. That's a great point. Yeah, right. Wow. What else, my wise sage? Continue to educate me, please. Okay. Do you know about Discord? No, I do not. I just started a Discord after years of people telling me that you need to start a Discord because that's the way you build a community. And that's what I connected to my Twitch. So if you just subscribe on Discord or if you subscribe on Twitch, it actually tells me in Discord my tier one, my tier two, and my tier three subscribers. And then once a week, I go on the voice chat that's kind of like this, the new Facebook team groups where you and, and I just talk to my subscribers and they just let me know like, they really talk about themselves, but I think they need that, <laughs> right? They've been listening to me talk for days and they just want to tell me some stories now, right? Oh, so it's like a privilege where people get to get access to you through their through their subscription. Exactly. Like everyone, anyone can join the Discord. Uh, I have like channels for like unlikely animal friendships because that's something I love. <laughs> <And> <laughs> pet pictures and post your memes, but then to actually have a discussion with me, that's only for subscribers. Voice oh, chat. I'll I'll answer most of the comments. Oh, okay. So it's so it's not it, it's like a stream of almost like on an IG live or a Facebook live where the comments are on the bottom and they're just like typing stuff in there and you're just speaking to them about that. Or no, it's actually it's like, like a, a voice call. channel like this. It was created for gamers. And that's how I learned about it through Twitch. Um, so that when they're playing video games, they could voice chat with each other. How many people can talk at once, man? That seems so yeah, overwhelming. Tons. <laughs> that's the like, thing that's incredible. How do you organize that? And my brother's in tech. And I asked, like, why do people use Zoom and not Discord? And he's like, I think it's just a little bit more complicated to set up. Like you have to start your own server. But other than that, I think it's much 
an incredible and and something that you might want to get into now like because i think they're now branching out to not just gamers gotcha yeah I, the only problem with that would be i'm definitely not as interesting as people like you and that's part of the premise of the getting to know you pod is i realized um, pretty quickly in my thought process if i just came on here and was talking about my thoughts and opinions i'd be like four episodes deep and i'd be spent it'd be over <laughs> well i think because you're in you're interviewing so many people that that would be often what discussions were about right oh yeah but so it would be weird because like when they hear everything i thought about the person because i just spoke to the person and gave my thoughts yeah, I wonder if they'll give you, they'll probably say, why didn't you ask this? Yeah, right? <laughs> yeah, that was a good question. Why didn't you ask this? No doubt. I, I, it probably would turn into that, something like that. Yeah. Man, Discord. No, I had not heard of Discord. God, you are so wise. You really no, are. No, I'm really not. I always feel like I'm the last to know, but then I talk to my parents. I'm like, okay, they're the last to know. <laughs> <laughs> That's why God gave us parents. So yeah. that they would always be last and make us feel better. <laughs> yeah. Man, and so how much then um, for like career, career-wise, the digitizing of you versus the actual poker playing of you? Like what percent is poker money for you and what percent is like this digital content? So for me, I've always just made my money off of poker. And now without live poker, I'm, I've met so many content creators that – they probably don't even necessarily are winning, winning players, but they're able to play the games and stuff by using it to create content. Mm. And I, that's something I have respect for too. So I might start trying to create more content, but, um, Oh, so it's not like any sort of real, like source of income for you at this point. No, like I was, when I was, and I took some time off streaming, but when I was streaming, three days a week. And that's not much. Like most poker streamers stream six days a week. Oh, wow. I was making about $50 an hour in subscriptions and donations. Okay. But I get pretty, uh, I get a lot more donations than a lot of people. Why do you think that is? Um, well, I've tried to make games with a lot of my donations where if they give me like a donate donation of $7.20, then I'll bluff next time I have seven deuce. Oh, okay. Yeah. Dude, I see. That's the way to go. Exactly. Yeah. That's hilarious, man. Yeah. Does and I love it. Like it makes me so excited when they, when I get to bluff. It's like, yeah, like that more when they give me like a hundred dollars, I'm like, yeah, great. Thank you so much. But it's so exciting to get to have to bluff with seven deuce. <laughs> <laughs> and then like, do you in your head, like, so you just got 50 bucks for bluffing a seven deuce. How much are you bluffing? Are you clearing that? Or is it like a low stake thing? You know, the funny thing is most of the time it's worked out. I think I, like once I lost more than I made, but most of the time people have just folded. <laughs> like, it's just like, okay, we won the pot and we got the bluff and we got the donation. Dude, that's kind of cool. Yeah. Have and again, just to go stereotypical, I guess like a a a female blonde poker player. Now I'm thinking online. Aside from just trolls, are are there like weird internet stalky things, like uncomfortableness that can come along with this for you? 
Yeah, and the good thing about that is just the community. Well, one thing in one of my discussions lately on Discord, my mod mentioned that he has his own community of mods and they share all that information with each other. Oh, so, like who's the fucking creeper to kick yeah, him out? Yeah, <laughs> and he said as soon as it happens in one of his channels, he blocks them on other channels. Oh, wow. So I'm like, oh, well, that's great. But also other female streamers have also gave me heads up about people too. Gotcha. Has anything, like what's been the most serious event where you've been um, taken back, shooken, upset? Oh, well, I had like a real life stalker. <laughs> no, you did. Are you serious? I think it's kind of funny, but a lot of people are like it's really disgusting because the first thing, first thing he did, he sent flowers every day. <laughs> Which I'm like, I was like, what's the harm, right? But it's really creepy. Then um, people are like, how did he get his, your address? Well, I don't know, but it obviously wouldn't be that complicated. You could easily have someone follow me or something, right? It's like, I, I especially when I was playing live poker when I was at the casino all the time, it would wouldn't be that hard to find out where I live. It's I don't know how you would get really get around that. Like, it's not like I have my address published somewhere, but right dude what were the flowers roses okay so he went classic now is that like something you've put on like your tinder profile that you are fond of roses no i don't even like roses <laughs> <laughs> so it's shot in the dark and but at one point he so i one eventually like i just had to block him and he, then he started contacting all my friends and most of my friends were apparently really good and just like didn't ever respond. But then he found one friend that just gave him all the information he wanted. And eventually she messaged me and she's like, this guy's really creepy. And I think, I think like some people, you know, like my partner and stuff, their lives are in danger. So then we had to go to the police about it. What, what dude, you, you totally blew over that. Like gave him information that he wanted, like what you're like your work schedule your social security number, your, your, your favorite, I, I don't know, like, like clothing. <laughs> I don't know. Like she sent me some of the emails, but not all of them. Like mostly, mostly I was just ignore. I was mad at her. Like, why are you even responding to this person? Yeah, right? it seems so I, weird. That's what I remember about this. And this was like four or five years ago, but. Um, do, you, do you remember how he went about getting the information? Like, was he pretending to be your long lost brother? He said that he'd met me and which apparently was true. Like he had met me at a casino one time. Um, but yeah, when I went to the police, this was the worst part is that they're like, well, he lives in another province. So the only, we can only ever protect you if he like comes to your province and we're aware of it. <laughs> oh my gosh. Like there's nothing we can do. Like it's out of our territory. It's out of our, area jurisdiction yeah what did it like what had occurred that took it to that next level for you that i went to the police yeah the emails that she sent to me that he thought that i needed to be single or something like that and that he was going to take care of that <laughs> oh so he found out that you had a partner yeah exactly oh man dude now i'm amazed that you even answered my cold response <laughs> <laughs> I, that's something when you're new, you're like so 
innocent. That was my point of the India story, right? Like, yeah. you're just, you don't, you're not worried about anything. And then you have a few bad experiences and then you turn into someone that's skeptical of everyone. But no, I can't, you can't be like that. You can't live life like that. Yeah. Most, that's, most people are good people. I feel the way, right? I feel that too. I feel like the vast majority of people are authentic, good, just want to enjoy life people. They don't, yeah. nobody's out there trying to just be a jerk. Exactly. Oh man. And then like, so then nothing happened or how did it, this end? The email was no, the last got, He's gotten over me apparently. So that's good. <laughs> he's probably found someone else, which isn't good. But. To perseverate on. Man, that's crazy. What, <laughs> what did you do with the roses? You would like keep them in a vase or you would just yeah. like throw them out immediately? <laughs> No, I kept them. They, that's one thing I always wonder. I'm like, I wonder if it's bugs, but even if it is, <laughs> what, what can you do nowadays? That would, oh my gosh, that's so true. You So it actually went in your head a little bit that you're like, what if it is bugged? Yeah. Whenever I get gifts, random gifts like that, that's always what I think about. But Wait. I mean, what are they trying to get out of it? I don't know. Dude, you get random gifts? It's kind of a thing on Twitch where like people just send you random stuff. I have, a, I have a P.O. box for that. That's a thing? Yeah. Please explain that to me. Help me. I thought that was like, you know that from podcasts. Don't like viewers send you stuff? Dude, I'm not, I'm nowhere near your kind of level or interest, man. No. Ain't nobody, ain't nobody being like, hey, Sean, what's your address? I'd love to send you a box of my homemade cookies. That is, that is... <laughs> but that'll happen sooner than later, I'm sure. I cannot, I can't believe it ever would. Yeah, that, I would take that bet. <laughs> really, probably. And, and I'm a smart better, you know that. Yeah, clearly, clearly. So, dude, like that's a legit. What are some of the weird things you get on Twitch? Oh my gosh. Or I'm sorry, on your PO box, like get that gets sent to you. Um, no, nothing too weird. Normally, like uh, shirts or hats or things. One guy wanted to send me, um, like a puppy that. No, oh, that would be amazing. <laughs> no, they wanted to send me like that oil because I was complaining about my back. That like the see what is it? See, you know the one that's CBD? made from we. Yeah, exactly. CBD? And I was like, no, please don't, because I don't know if we're breaking any laws or anything. Because he was in the states. God. <laughs> and then it's a sting when you go to your PO box. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Man. But it's no, it's really sweet. Like people just they hear you talk about something. Like for you, you're talking about how much you like peanut butter cookies, and then they're like, "Oh, I have the best recipe." So yeah, it's it's stuff like that mostly. Gotcha, man. That is that's that's just another like weird aspect of life. If you're on this like whatever grind to like monetize something that you're into, and then you start living that way. And then all of a sudden you have a stalker following you from a casino planting audio bugs or maybe cameras in roses. Like yeah, that's next level. I mean level. that's part of the risk you take whenever you put yourself out there. I guess so, man. And man, God. All right, well, Jillian, since you've given me two hours plus two hours of your time, um, I end my podcast with this. So I'd love for you to start thinking of a story that you want to share. Okay. And um, I call this end of the podcast. Well, let me let me kind of ingest, shame you. Do you have any idea how I end the podcast? <laughs> no. Exactly. Only one has. Shout out, Kristen. <laughs> <laughs> I think you might actually be guest. Dude, I think you're like guest 65, man. 
Um, wow. Yeah, yeah. Um, so 64 people have been extremely ignorant to get to the end of a two and a half hour conversation for the most part. <laughs> <laughs> so tell a cool little story about yourself. I call this, let me get your best first for last. We've saved the best first for last. Sponsored by Abstinence. Waiting makes it worthwhile. So my first time something happened? There it is. You nailed it. Yeah, a cool first experience, a cool first time you anything. Something that would be neat if someone actually makes it this far, reads the description and is like, oh, the first time Jillian blanked. That'd be cool to hear about since we're getting to know her. Yeah, I definitely wish wish I would have done my research on this question. (laughs) Uh, I have like, I've had so many firsts, but what do we choose? I'm talking to my dog now. (laughs) What do we choose as our first? What's your dog's name? Tyra. She's named after Tyra Banks because she's beautiful. Smize. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) You can tell she's smizing right now. Oh, dude, I love that. Thanks. God, dude, I hadn't thought of that top model. We actually just recently started um, rewatching Project Runway. Oh, nice. And um, Tim Gunn. I just, God, could he could he just be president? I would yeah, love. Really? I would. Did love. you watch the new season where you could buy the stuff on Amazon? I did not. No, I did not. Because it aired during COVID, and I there's some of the stuff that I wanted to buy, <laughs> and then I went there, and they were never available. So then I just wondered whether whether like they never actually came out with the stuff because it was so hard. Yeah, if they couldn't produce, produce it. But dude, like so, season eight's on Hulu, and this is by the way me just talking to try to give you time to think. Yeah, <laughs> um, season eight's on Hulu, and they were like gods of product placement they must have made so much money with like hp performance notepads and the piper line accessory wall and thank you mood and like every chance they got to put a specific product on that camera and have it mentioned have that logo seen it's done and it to me i'm like looking at that through that premise or that lens and i'm like genius genius product placement people yeah. So did you learn some stuff from them? I, I guess if future? I get on Twitch, man, I'm going to start like right now I'm drinking a Southern tier distilling company. So if I ever go video, I'll be like, tonight's going to be Southern tier. Hey, Southern <laughs> tier. If you want to keep this up, hit me up, <laughs> you know, like something stupid like that. That's where I would go. I'd start wearing t-shirts. Yeah. I like it. Exactly. Like you. so what do you got man don't overthink it best first what oh it's yeah it's so tough i feel like i don't want to be poker related i think it should not be poker related i agree i think you get great insights into poker so um give me some other categories that people did maybe no so i've done this before and people have gone to it um well, so you're an animal lover, if you have any cool animal stories. You were apparently, according animals. to your biography, super competitive athletically in your earlier days. You could talk yeah. about the first time you knocked a boy out. That would be kind of interesting. Um, oh, okay, a China story, a travel story, a, a weird okay, adventure yeah, back it. alley. <laughs> this, this is pretty something I don't talk about very often either. I'd love it. Um, 
I have the state championship in speed walking. <laughs> that's a thing? <laughs> yeah, and that's that's the thing. Like, I'm competitive, right? And what happened on track and field day was I missed <laughs> the bus didn't come. So I missed all the tryouts. Um, and the only event left the next day was speed walking. <laughs> so, like, I'm competitive. I didn't want to miss out on track and field on, like, all the traveling they get to do and stuff. So, obviously, I, like, walked. <laughs> and I won the school level. And then I went to the regionals. And then I won regionals. And then I went to provincial level. And um, I remember my mom driving me to the track and then we showed up and everyone had coaches and they're all like <laughs> coaching them and like telling them my mom's like, here, stand closer <laughs> so you can learn. <laughs> so, and I don't remember the exact rules, but, or the, or the distance, but I was doing really well in the provincial race and I was leading the whole time and you're not allowed to run and like run means not hitting your heel first to the ground. Right. Yeah, like, then you get disqualified. Like, I understood that was the rule. God, what a terrible job for, like, the ref to be looking yeah. at all these heels the whole time. Yeah. But there's some discretion, and this is the part that I didn't know about. You can have three penalties. Oh. <laughs> yeah, so on the last lap, people just start sprinting across and past me, and I'm just thinking, well, they're going to be disqualified. <laughs> They're using up all their penalties. And then I came in fourth place. Oh, dude, you were actually like, were you leading till that yes. sprint? No. Yeah, and I'm watching people run by and I'm like, well, like that's irrelevant, right? Because they're <laughs> running and they're literally sprinting and I'm just walking. Oh my gosh, dude. What, what, what's the, what, what year, what grade? Is this like freshman this, year or high school? This is grade eight. Oh, uh, Okay. Yeah, dude, yeah. that Canadian field day does not sound like our field day at all in the <laughs> States. So there's like a track and field field day and then all of a sudden, like there's a like the kids just get to show up for all of grade eight. It was this was actually Australia, and Australia is incredibly competitive in sports. Wait, they you, have, you were in grade eight in Australia? Yeah. My parents were teachers and they did exchanges and that was one of the countries they lived in and I went God. to school in grade eight in Australia. Got you. And yeah, their their sports programs are incredible. Like um, they, re that's why they do so well in the Olympics, even though they're such a tiny country. Yeah, population-wise, for sure. Yeah, is anyone with any type of potential in a sport? Well, I think everyone had to do it. Like one day a week or one afternoon, you had to play in a sport. So you, you didn't go to school; you perfected your sport. You worked on whatever sport that was. Oh, no way. And your yeah. sport clearly was not speed walking. So what was your sport in eighth grade that you were perfecting? Um, well, at that, at that time it was tennis. Oh, really? Yeah. I was playing competitive tennis. Golly day, dude. Man, you've, you've lived one of the most amazing lives ever. Never die. Never die. Aww. Keep living your life. I can't, I, I wish, I don't know, man. It's hard on the podcast thing to like, talk and suck up someone's entire night for like hours and hours and hours on end. I always feel guilty. So I try to keep it between two to three, but like you and just, I, I almost now feel bad for spending so much time on poker and not getting more <laughs> into like all the cultural experiences you've had. 
Yeah, what, uh, but I was one of my bosses once said to me, like, you're the most well-rounded person, people. And I think that's just me. Like, I'll try things and I'll get to a pretty high level and then I'll try something else. I'm not, and that's why I have respect for, like, the top percentile because they have to go that extra level that I just always got bored with and the never really right? pursued. But I have tried a lot of different things and worked very hard at them. So wait, did I just hear you correct? Did you just officially retire from poker because you're bored with it? <laughs> and that, that's something I've been trying to do for a while, but I just don't know how else to make that type of money. <laughs> oh man. God. Yeah. Right. I guess. And, and, then immediately, as soon as you say that, my mind goes into like taxes and how you file that. But I don't want to get into that. Um. <laughs> Luckily, in Canada, it's poker's not considered a game of skill, so it's not taxable. But in the U.S., it's thirty percent. No way. Mm -hmm. Professional poker players in Canada, you—it's luck. And yeah, it's, and it's not taxed. Are you serious? Yeah. So what do you do and if you like win the lottery? Like I think if yeah, you win... same thing. So there's no taxes on the lottery here either. Stop. No taxes. Yeah. Like you win a million dollars, you get a million dollars. Yeah, and we had like a version of who wants to win a millionaire, and I remember them saying it was the biggest prize ever because there isn't taxes on it. Why don't more people live in Canada, Jillian? <laughs> I don't think we're letting people immigrate right now, but yeah. <laughs> Dude, like no, but like illegally cross the border, what would happen? So if I illegally cross the border. <laughs> you'd be so nice to me. You just wouldn't kick me out. Right. Like I could just squat. Well, I know right now that you definitely get free health care, even though right? um, you're not part of anything. Cause my friend's dealing with that right now. They just moved here from the UK and they haven't done any of their anything, but during COVID, I know they can get all their tests done and everything at no cost or anything. Dude, That's amazing to me that, that the tax is God, Jesus. I'm so sorry. I, I, I should have, I need to be better and I shouldn't have wasted time on poker stuff. Because that <laughs> seriously, dude, that Australia, I've, I've, I've spoken to so many people from Canada who have just been like, I, I can't move to the States to make more money in my job because of all the benefits and security. Plus Canada is really nice. And it's not like the like stereotypical, like people are just nice, but like the living is just so nice because it's a little more worry free than it seems to be what people fret about in the States. Is it like yeah, oil, I don't know. oil money? I don't know. I don't know either. But we'll end it on a cliffhanger, if anything else. Jillian, thank you so much for so much of your time, man. Thank you so much for giggling, laughing, giving us insights. And um, most of all, thanks for letting us get to know a little more about you, man. I um, so appreciate it. Well, thank you. And I really hope that all your hard work pays off. I do too. What's the probability? What's the probability this is, um, I actually make my, th I recoup my $300 from all the fees I have to pay. Well, on the $300, 100%, but <laughs> being successful, I think it's pretty high too, because you're passionate about it. Oh, thank you. See, see, just encouragement, encouragement for days. <laughs> thank you so much, Jillian. Um, enjoy the rest of your night, man. I so appreciate your time. My pleasure. Thanks, Sean. Thanks to Jillian for coming on the pod and sharing stories and insights with all of us listeners who never make it this far, apparently. <laughs> Even if you're coming on the pod, you've never made it this far. Very interesting. Um, I personally was fascinated by the whole Twitch money-making off of your brand and content. 
um, honestly, like gems of insight for anyone who listens and is looking to make money on their socials, as in social media platforms. I think all the cool kids that call them socials. I doubt that very much. All right. Thanks to AndrePsyche.com for sponsoring the Getting to Know You pod. Please go to AndrePsyche.com. What else are you doing after you got done with this marathon? For some trippy merch that's going to be worth checking out. And if you haven't already, please friend and follow the Getting to Know You pod. We are on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Now for the word of the pod. The word of the pod is Ashtanga. Ashtanga. Yep, don't even think I'm saying it right, but it is that type of yoga that I had to Google in order to spell for my notes. Ashtanga. Post that word on any of our social media or tag the Getting to Know You pod when you use it on yours, and you're going to get a shout out on the very next pod. You don't even have to pay through Patreon for that kind of a thing. Amazing. We give it away for free. Also, Don't forget to subscribe, rate, review the Getting to Know You pod on Apple, Spotify, or your preferred podcast platform. And finally, if you or someone you know would like to become a sponsor of or advertise on the Getting to Know You pod, we would love to partner with you. We have a wide-ranging global audience expanding by the day that would like to get to know more about your brand or business. All you have to do is message us. Afirase.